0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? This episode, as uh, as always and frequently lately, is brought to you by uh, J&B Music Lessons in Crest Hill, Illinois, Joliet area. Um, my boy Joe Latino, just a great dude. Um, you can find them at 2400 Caton Farm Road in uh, Crest Hill. Uh, they are... Basically, all things music lessons. They do vinyl. They do instrument repair and setup. Uh, all all kinds of stuff. Uh, just a great little shop, family owned type deal. And you know, he he's done all my guitar work forever, so he doesn't charge a whole bunch. And uh, they do a hell of a job with everything. And most of all just cool people to be around but you know supporting local business like that that's so important and especially in the uh, craft beer world i mean you, you you'll lean towards independent beer so check out j and b music studio um again at 2400 Caton farm road and you can get them at the letter j the word and and then the letter b music.com uh so yeah dude uh crazy crazy awesome episode uh, such a great opportunity! So I have to start by giving a huge thank you um, to Sean Burns, uh, Evan Morris, and John Monaco over at Moore Brewing in Villa Park. Um, just getting wind through Sean, uh, the head brewer over at Moore, that that uh, Bottle Logic was going to be in town for FOBAB, uh, which I knew they were going to be in town, but but they're going to be at Moore uh, the Tuesday before FOBAB to do a barrel stout, um, to do a barrel aged stout uh, brew day. So I reached out to Brandon and Wes over at Bottle Logic, and wow, they said, sure, yeah, we'll do your podcast. That's cool. So I was on cloud nine today from uh, from the morning until uh, just right now when I'm finishing the night with a, with the a space boots from More Brewing. But I got to spend pretty much the whole day from 9.45 a.m. until about 5 o'clock at More Brewing hanging out with Bottle Logic. And then throughout the day, I mean, wouldn't you know it, people like uh, Mike Palin from Microphone dropped in, um, I, obviously Sean from Moore's there, and John, the crew over there doing the brew, you got the guys from Bottle Logic, and then we get a visit from uh, Justin Miller from Hot Butcher, so we had some uh, pretty badass names in, in craft beer just hanging out today, but I really enjoyed my time with these guys, uh, they, they were really cool. Coming over from the coast, we had uh, three guys. Well, they had four guys, really. So they, they're a uh, brewer, um, Dylan, and then we had Brandon, who's kind of the brand manager, and Wes, who's one of the founders and a brewmaster, and then Steve, who was uh, the president. Just great guys, great conversation. We got to drink some of their beers, drink some of Sean's beers, and just kind of interact with some of these giants while they do a collab and talk and just, uh, you know, See him like a fly on the wall. It was a great experience. So can't wait to see those guys at Foabed this weekend. I know all of you guys are probably going to Foabed this weekend. So I know you're going to enjoy it. So uh, yeah, follow me on social media. Get me at Untapped Joe Bob Forty uh, One on Twitter. Same way, and then uh, do it on Instagram too. Some at Average Joe's Beer Podcast. Follow the Facebook page. Leave reviews on iTunes. All that good stuff. So without further ado, here's Bottle Logic. okay now we're actually rolling i, almost, I always want to say live and then i'm like this isn't being broadcast right now it's not technically live but welcome guys we have a we got a table full of i guess can i call you guys californians yeah sure yeah, Californ- californians so introduce yourselves tell 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 my listeners why you're here
1: hey i'm wes uh the founder and brewmaster of Bottle Logic.
0: They're sharing a mic right now. (laughs) You're
2: going to hear those little gaps. Uh, I'm Steve Napolitano, the president of Bottle Logic.
3: I'm Dylan Mobley. I'm the head brewer of Bottle Logic.
2: And I'm Brandon Buckner, and I'm
4: the brand manager of Bottle Logic.
0: You guys rolled through strong here. Uh, First of all, I want to say thank you to you guys for for doing this. I mean, you guys have been kind of like on a quick whirlwind here to the Chicagoland area, all based around Fobab, I take it? or
4: yeah. We, um, we got invited, uh, Mike over at, uh, microphone on, of that on guy. behalf of the Illinois Brewer, Brewer's Guild, um, invited us and it started that way. And then, uh, more contacted us and then, uh, we planned a trip around that.
0: So when did you guys get in then? We're sitting here on what? Tuesday before
2: FOBAB. Yeah, we came in uh, Sunday. So I got up at like two 45 in the morning, got on the plane, landed in Minneapolis, uh, so, yeah, been since then. Okay, wait. How did you take a plane to Minneapolis to come to Chicago?
3: We, d- <laughs> we drove out to Decorah, Iowa to do a collab with Toppling Goliath on Monday.
0: Oh, so, from Minnesota. Yeah. Who the hell planned the logistics for this? This <laughs> <Yeah>. is incredible.
2: <laughs>
4: yeah. All of us, actually.
3: Oddly enough, it, was it, that it makes the most sense to fly to Minneapolis if okay. you're going out to Decorah. So, we did yeah. that Monday, and then uh, we drove to Madison last night, had a little fun in Madison. And, and then, uh, drove you to Chicago this morning.
2: What was in Madison? That's halfway between Decorah, Iowa, and Did Chicago. You stop there and partied? <laughs> so, or <sorta>. like what? <laughs> it's easier to <laughs> do more beer, like the
1: Untitled Art or something. Like what I know, we're we're in pain today, so it's uh, <laughs> had a lot of beer, a lot of cool stuff.
3: Yeah, yeah. world class burgers and Spotted Cow. Oh, That's hell. what's in Madison. T- tipsy, yes. tipsy cow, right? tipsy yeah. cow. Yeah. yeah. Spotted
2: oh, and t- Spotted Cow is the beer. Yeah, Spotted yeah. Cow Lots at the, the Tipsy, tipsy Cow. We'd These guys All had gone the through. Uh, um, they done a collab with Funk Factory, uh, a couple months ago. Yeah, with yeah. Levi. So they knew. Uh, they knew Madison. Yeah. And they wanted to show it off. I guess cool ship stuff, right? Doesn't uh, Levi? Doesn't mean Yeah,
4: we did a fresh stout with him, um, on okay. Untitled uh, brand. Okay. Um, but no, we had a lot of fun. Um, we went to a Working Draft last night. Had a beer there. Yeah, I feel like appear. you guys
0: you guys are busy. I mean, there's that's a lot from Sunday until now on Tuesday morning you find yourselves in Villa Park, Illinois in the Moore Brewing Tap Room. That's it's did you guys plan this way ahead of time or
4: was this like we're just gonna slap this thing together and see what happens. Oh uh, yeah, we I would say a couple months ago, uh we got the invite and uh, I would say most of these things kinda fall into place, so like um, we agreed to do it, um, and then Moore contacted us. And then um, we're we're gonna do something with Hop Butcher tomorrow. They contacted us, and then um, we wanted to make sure we did something with Mike too. But we'll be brewing that on Sunday before we fly out. Jesus. Well,
2: well, these two will. I'll be at the Bears game. Yeah, nice, nice. Who yeah. they playing?
4: Uh, Minnesota,
2: Vikings. Yeah, yeah,
0: Minnesota game. Sunday night, Flexton game. Oh, they're actually good this year. are You Vikings guy
2: or Bears guy? Or no, nope, well, doesn't matter. So our sales manager is a Bears guy. Okay, and I can't say I'm a Vikings guy. I mean, that sounds like a big commitment, right? It does. Yeah. But I, I, do right. a, I do have a couple guys on my fantasy team. So okay, there you yeah. Yeah, There you go. <laughs> It's way
0: easier to watch that at home, by the way. Yeah. But I think you're going to have fun. Actually, Big John over there, he was at the Bears game on Sunday. He put up a picture of himself wearing Carhartt coveralls, and he had a 16-ounce tall boy highlife in the front pocket and <laughs> one in his hand, and then a, I think a brat in the other. I mean, that's how you do a Bears game in Chicago. That sounds amazing. There's nothing more Chicago than his beard, Carharts, and then a Miller highlife in a chest pocket. I mean, you really can't beat it. So now today, I mean, what are you guys doing here? Why, why are you guys at Moore and Villa Park?
1: Yeah, we're uh, bringing a big, big stout today. Something to go to barrels, age, and uh, pretty much just make the, one of the best things we could do today.
0: Details to follow. Details to follow. Yeah, I mean, exactly. there's... So, what, do you hold on to the details on something like that, or do you... I mean...
4: No, I think um, Wes will agree with me on this. I think a lot of the times we make something... Um, we make a grain bill, and then we'll... Let it hit the barrels, and then kind of let the flavors that
1: develop from there dictate where we're going to go next. Yeah, we'll often taste it and kind of say, "What are the flavors are leaning towards?" And it's like, "What do we want to do to it?" And and at some point, we'll say, "Well, let's let's add this, and let's um, let's add some vanilla beans or cocoa nibs, and you know, a lot of different ideas that come up when we do some barrel tastings."
4: And I think it'll be fun to you know working w- working with Sean and get his opinion. You know, I mean, he's make he's brewing it, but here. But it'll be fun to see what he thinks of it, and then we can uh, kind of share ideas that way. Sean is like the he
0: is uh, the the adjunct stout king of the Chicagoland area right now. I mean, he, he knows how to work those ingredients. But I, I had a a very enlightened uh, conversation with uh, Mike Shaloo, the Pipeworks Barrel Master, and like what you guys were just kind of alluding to, he went really in depth on on treating stuff in a barrel you know whereas a lot of things on the consumer side like on an education basis i thought i loved because for me you know people think barrel aged beer you put some you brew some beer you put it in a barrel let it sit and then you put it in the bottles or whatever and people line up out the door for it you know where i think that the consumer doesn't understand the blending process and and though like you guys were talking about like uh, you don't just this is going to be this we put it in this barrel we know vanilla is going in there it's like you're tasting and you're like, this would fucking be great with some coffee. Yeah, yeah. Like this man, this has like, itching for coconut. Like yeah. he really, Mike really explained that to me. And I thought that was one of the most interesting conversations I had with a brewer or a beer person.
3: Yeah. We've, we've had complete brands that were created, uh, you know, just based off what we were tasting in the barrel. Like we, we made a strong ale like three years ago, uh, probably at this point, And, uh, we didn't really know where it was going once it hit barrels, but once we tasted the, the beer you know, a couple months into barrel aging, like those strong ales, like they go real heavy towards the coconut and, and vanillin that you get out of the wood, and it was a, just a really clear decision. It was like, well, this beer's getting coconut. I mean, what, <laughs> the, it's there. Let's not fight it. So it ended up being a coconut coffee beer we called Stronger Than Fiction, and um, it's kind of become a little cult classic for, for some of our fans. I
0: had one of those. It was awesome. Yeah, well, it's not something that everybody... You know, it's kind of easy now to say, like, barrel-aged out, hazy IPA. Like, these are the things that draw people to it. I think a beer like that, it takes a good version of it to get people to, like you said, become a cult classic kind of, you know? Right,
3: yeah, because the strong ales usually aren't the ones that people are, you know, busting down the door for. But um, yeah, people who like, uh, you know non-stout barrel-aged beer, they, they really latched onto that one.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, another thing I always look at, too, is like, you know, I go to a brewery and it's like, you can judge them based on their big hype beers, but then if you have like their Pilsner or some sort of a lager from them and you're like, whoa, these guys know what they're doing, that's when you really kind of solidifies that. I mean, that plays in, uh, again, education of the consumer and all that stuff, you know, some people are just in it to get these specific kind of beers and they don't care about these like classic styles or technique or... You know, what goes into lagering and things like that. And then how did you guys kind of, when you started, Like, how much have you shifted from like your original kind of thought processes
2: and what kind of beer you wanted to drink and make? And uh, So we were brewing together, Brandon, West and I, for about three years before we kind of went live with Bottle Logic. And we had this whole list of stuff that we wanted to make. Yeah, we're not making most of that. <laughs> there was some stuff in there that um, consumers then, wouldn't want. There's some stuff in there that would be really difficult to make. There's some stuff in there that, uh, frankly, just didn't work out the way we were hoping to. So, But we've kept a, a number of it, a number of uh, different recipes and different ideas. So I, probably about half, I'd say, of, of what we had started out saying, okay, we're going to go ahead and make this, and we think people like it, and we think we're going to be able to make it really good. Um, the barrel aging was pretty early on. Um, that, that Wes was really passionate about that. We'd done some experiments at home brewing, but it's really hard, you know, using small barrels and you know a small yield. It's really impossible to blend anything. So we 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 were pretty sure we wanted to do it, but it took some finagling to make it uh, to make it work. So we released two different barrel aged beers our first year, and they kind of showed us, yeah, people would be interested in this if we you know took the time and um, uh, experimented with it
0: how do you get to barrel aging in year one? Like, how d- I mean, a lot of times, you know, you got to build that program and it's a slow process. I mean, it takes a while to get to revolution or, you know, s- uh, thousands oh. of barrels at your disposal. To oh
2: yeah, sure. The, the first, it was a few barrels, you know, but we, we were, we started brewing in uh, November. I don't know the exact date, but November of 2013. And we, our first stout release was November of, of 14. So it was in barrels just about a year maybe just just under a year we had released a uh, brandon what was the name of that beer was that strange matter
4: yeah dr strange matter
2: was it a saison
4: yeah it was a saison aged in wine barrels
2: and that aged probably about eight months yeah like they need a little less aging time uh so that's the answer to that of how we did it in the first year <laughs> so and was then that
0: was that trial and error then like what you just talked about like they could use a little less aging time was that something like man we're just we're just trying
2: some things right now. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, you know, now we learn from it. I mean, uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, that first year was um, the Darkstar November, which has been a mainstay for us. We're doing a release on this coming Sunday of, of this year's batch. And I did a vertical last year with some friends. And I mean, it's to me at least, I, I taste a clear progression. Like we're getting better. And that's, <laughs> that's always good. That's better than the other way, right? Yeah. But I taste that first year, and we were really proud of it at the time. Uh, but, in, in comparison, it's like oh yeah, that could have been improved. <laughs> it's well, I, always, think, I think also always the the, uh,
3: the people's tastes for the barrel aged beers are are changing. You know, I think four years ago, um, you know, you could the the beers that most people were making were you know on the more like balanced side. They were a little thinner bodied, and it seems like year after year after year we're we're going thicker. We're going sweeter. We're going higher alcohol. You know, it's a, people's tastes are changing, and, uh, but I think that's the fun of it too. You know, we're we're constantly learning new techniques from, you know, stuff we're doing. Stuff we learn from friends at other breweries. Doing these collabs are are hugely beneficial to to what we do.
0: Yeah, I feel like a lot of body is is a big deal now in mean, these stout things, I and mean, it's yeah. body. Everybody's aiming for this specific kind of mouth feels and. And that's going the same with the IPAs as well. But, I mean, definitely on the on the stouts, uh, Sean, obviously, here at Moore, is known for, you know, that people love that he has a thicker stout. So, I mean, yeah, you kind of watch that transition um, of people drinking, like you said, more balanced beers, more... I don't know, there was, there was more... Was it, like, uh, offensive almost? Like, you know, the barrel side of things to be, like, you want something to offend your palate. Now everybody wants, like, this kind of sweetness thing. It's, like, you want to kind of... That drowned all that. That
1: syrupy sweetness. The word smooth comes <laughs> up all the time. Like, yeah, yeah. We're we seeing that throughout the um, kind of like the stout world is. Uh, there's more and more people are looking for that really big, really thick, really full-bodied, almost almost syrupy <laughs> stout yeah. world. Um, and you know we're we you know we're always kind of changing our style, changing our our flavors. Uh, always trying to progress and kind of make new, new cool things.
0: So on that in that same vein, what what, what, are, what are we brewing here today at Moore? I mean, it, it is a stout that's going to find its way into some barrels at some point, right? So
1: yeah, we're brewing a uh, barrel aged stout today. Uh, pretty much on that very high end body. Uh, you know, we're brewing it to uh, essentially is maxing out their system. They're they were telling me they were here all night last night. Poor yeah, John. Was, <laughs> poor John. <laughs> yeah, they're they're just saying like. Man, it was just like the worst runoff I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> he said he said where he was
0: at today on this turn of yeah. it was like he it took him four hours to get where he was at, like you know a couple hours ago. Here. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so we're we're trying to take you know take it to the limits of the system, and, you know, and brew something with you know so much, you know so much sugar, so much, you know so much character initially, and just get let the stout be a massive massive stout before it goes in the barrels. Yeah, maxing it out is a good way to look at it, huh?
0: A lot yes, of rice hulls. Yes. I heard today. That's a term that I finally learned. What a rice hull was yeah, recently. Yeah. I started to learn so many things being around these these giant stouts. So basically, what the rice hulls kind of help it move through the system without clogging it up, and that gunk from like the oats yeah, it, and the yeah, it helps
1: it lauter, uh, especially with the uh, with the oats and then the a lot of the um, essentially with a lot of the malts we use in the stouts. It creates this like gumminess in the mash, and and you know the oats help that kind of like separate build that bed so they can filter out a little bit better it's like it's like fiber for the
0: beer <laughs> now you guys realize you're gonna like i don't know what the real life equivalent of breaking the internet is going to be like but you guys are going to cause a line in villa park out the door and what whatever <coughs> nine to 13 months that that thing's done resting in barrels and put the bottles i mean we've talked we talked a little bit before we started to a couple of you guys you know about aftermarket stuff and you know secondary market and trading and all that stuff like, I don't know if you guys saw when Sean did his three-day weekend er, three day weekend with his three-barrel-aged hennas that he did in the summer. There's a helicopter flying over on Friday. There was over 1,200 people just lined up down this bike path to the side of the building. I can't imagine what a bottle logic more barrel-aged beer is going to do to beer nerds in the Chicagoland area.
2: I hope they have fun with it. Uh,
0: it was the best bottle share I've ever been to. It was a line from 7 a.m. to... You know, when they released the beer at 11, well, I was there. People were there at 10 p.m. the night before, but I got there at 6 a.m. was like a thousandth in line, and it was the greatest bottle share I'd ever been a part of.
2: From a sales side, we moved to an online sales thing because we'd had kind of those same problems. But I do think you miss some of the fun and the excitement of being here. It's something we struggle with. Like, I want people to come in and have fun. We've had helicopter days, you know, like we call it's it. Killer. And you're always looking up like, oh, my God, what is that? Why are they here, you know? And they're just checking it out. They see a ton of people. Um, so it's fun to have them there. It's it's fun to, you know, everyone to, can share and talk. Um, at the same time, I don't know, waiting four hours is... It's beer, you the know. The height like, monster's
0: real. Yeah, the you know, and and real. I'm just
2: thinking of myself, like, would I want to go and wait four hours if I could just order it? I don't know. It depends on what I'm doing. Is it a festival? Is it is it something else? Um, where we are and looking around here, it's probably kind of similar. You know, we're not set up to have people 1,200 people waiting around, and there's no infrastructure. There's no bathrooms that are out and about. So that's something that we had to think about. But um, really, really happy for Sean and and all the crew here at Moore for their big weekend, and um, looking forward to see what they do and. Yeah. yeah, and a huge,
0: huge credit for uh, the, the Villa Park Police Department. I mean, they took care of everybody. They made sure people were just not misbehaving. They let people share bottles in line. They, you know, they kept everybody safe. They didn't bust anyone or anything. There's porta-potties all down the bike path. Like, so they, wait, wait, they really shared well here done. publicly?
2: Oh, yeah. Like, oh, the whole that day. is awesome. Okay, I'm, that
0: talk- I'm talking about three days in a row starting at 10 p.m. that Thursday night going into Friday. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they did three separate barrel-aged beers. They released one a day, and this happened every single day that weekend, which was Dark Lord weekend, too, at Three Floyds. So people were, like, getting hammered here in the morning, (laughs) heading out to Three Floyds going to to Dark Lord day. But, uh, yeah, credit to the the city and everything. They handled it really
2: well, and nobody was upset about it. I'd heard about the release. I didn't realize that they were. It was an outside, you know, like public type share. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the uh, rules said nobody before sure. seven p.m. or seven a.m.
0: That's a city ordinance. So I tried to follow the rules, and I showed up, and I was a thousandth in line at wow. seven a.m. And then I saw the one guy was here at ten p.m. the night before. I mean, so. Sean and, and Evan and the, the guys here are always known for, like, they switch it up, but, like, like, they've done the online thing. So you guys stick strictly to that online thing when you do your releases, like your bigger barrel-age releases and mm, stuff?
2: Yeah, almost entirely. I think we've done a couple small can releases on site, but uh, for the most part, it's online. We were getting some complaints from neighbors. Our city's maybe not quite as cool about <laughs> some of those things. I was as
0: surprised as anyone to see this um, going down, and they were just really cool about
3: it
2: yeah well it's fun to you know watch people have fun and i think if you know the demographic of craft beer it's for the most part not people that just want to get drunk and hang out you know they like they really want to appreciate and talk about this and like that sense of community is really important i wish we could do that that would be really fun uh we have done some festivals but for the most part the, the actual bottle sales yeah they're all online yeah
0: n- i feel like i've never had a non-barrel aged beer from you guys like because that's what comes here you know it's like the, in the the secondary market, you know, or the people that are trading or have beer mail from their buddies. You know, it always seems to be like these. Do you guys do mostly barrels? I mean, like, you said you said cans. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a bottle logic can before.
3: We do everything. I mean, um, I
0: figured that, but you know, ignorant as I am, being you know this far away from you guys. Yeah, the, the Berliners probably would be the next. Ooh, that sounds yeah. sexy.
3: We, I mean, I think barrel aged beer is probably about half of what we do. Um, and then, you know, we're doing plenty of hazy IPAs. We've got a core uh, West Coast IPA that we've had since the beginning. Um, a core double IPA. And then, yeah, plenty of the fruited kettle sours that people are super into, especially when you hit it with fruits that will really give it a fun color.
0: They're really good, man. They're really yeah, good.
3: They, are, they are. They are good. They're very enjoyable beers. They're, they're a nice beer for somebody who comes where they're like, well, well, I don't usually drink beer. It's like, well, here, try this. And then. You know, they're, they're immediately stoked because they're like, what? It's pink or, you know, whatever. And that that's the fun part, too, is I'll, I'll be in the tasting room walking around and I'll hear somebody from across the bar be like, what is that? I yes. want that purple beer. Yes. And, the, the you know, the beer tendrils will be like, do you want to know what it is? They're like, nope, nope. want that purple beer.
0: <laughs> I'm guilty. I'm like, the, not the color thing, but I'm the guy. I'm, I, like, I don't buy it based off the color. I love Berliner, so obviously you want to jam a bunch of fruit in it right before you can, and I'm down to try it. But I'm always that guy that's like, God, look at the color on that. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm always like
2: like aroused by the color. I'm like, damn, look at the color on that. Yeah, like,
3: no, it is. It catches your eye. It's
2: fun. It really does. So our artist, uh, our graphic artist who does all of our stuff, we've worked with him for over five years at this point, um, he did a board game called Campy Creatures. And the idea is you're playing almost like these vintage monster cards. And so think like the Wolfman or Frankenstein or Creature from the Black Lagoon. But he's like reimagined it, and it's got this vintage sci-fi feel, which is totally running through our tasting room and our branding. And so each of the Berliner cans is based on one of those monsters that we've we've done a can of. So what are we at now, four, five?
4: We're at four, yeah. The last one we did was uh, Muscle and Mayhem. It was uh, the kink, the king kong like gorilla. totally
2: not king kong from a trademark perspective yeah, absolutely yeah.
0: not you heard it here guys not king kong not associated
4: <laughs> not it's even its the same th- thing it's its own thing
2: a different giant gorilla who is attacking a city yep
4: but that one was fun it was um banana pineapple and um uh, coconut and had a nice like tiki drink vibe to oh, it oh nice I,
0: I gotta i gotta tell you guys you, i know you mentioned uh you're gonna spend some time with hot butcher while you're on this yeah. kind of whirlwind here so Justin, Jude, Jeremiah, those guys over there, you know, their place that they brew out of is Miskatonic. Uh, I don't know if you are familiar with the Miskatonic guys at all, but they're, they're kind of have a similar thing, but theirs are more based on these kind of like recreations of, you know, your old time book characters. Like he's really into literature. Josh Mowry, um, the owner of Miskatonic, co or but he, you know, they do cool things like that, kind of reimagination of these classic characters and things that you see on the cans. I bet you guys would get along real well with that, <laughs> with those kind of uh, thought processes on the yeah. art.
4: I'm excited.
2: Yeah, we uh, just, you were talking about old literature and all that. I forget who I was talking to, but they, they were talking to us for a little bit, at one of the festivals, and he's like, you guys really are geeks. And I said, yeah, yeah I mean, that's Hell our branding, yeah. that's what we do. And he's like, I know, but I thought it was just like a marketing thing. And I'm like, oh, no, you can't fake that. Yeah. How yeah. much? Yeah, I mean, how much in
0: beer? Your guys' scale, you know, or like how where you guys started from could possibly be based on marketing, you know? Because there's a lot of passion in this industry, and that's where it came from, and <laughs> I think that's where everybody loves this industry so much now. You know, it's I, obviously it's like a hot thing and a trend as well, but it's also
4: kind of just built out of like all this love and passion and stuff for everything, you know. I would definitely say that the brand came from. You know, not only Wes and Steve and my our interests in our life, but also everyone who's come on board. They they identify that with that brand, and they 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 bring some great suggestions when we do future stuff. So
0: since we're on this on this topic this is as good a time as any to kind of like uh, let's let's dial back and see like where where did all this where did the, all the the four of you guys come together where did all the everybody's journey begin and um it doesn't have to be separate i mean like i told you before we started like i love stories i love to hear the stories related to the story of bottle logic you know like what the hell went into all this stuff so where does this begin you know established 2013
2: I was in a galaxy long, long ago. There That's what yeah. I
0: knew. That. Yeah. Far, far away,
2: long, <laughs> long ago. In a world. <laughs> yeah. So, um, one of my best friends went to high school with Brandon. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how exactly we got here, but we, we poker was like a really big deal. And so we were playing we were doing poker games and hanging out Friday nights, whatever. And he told me that he had met a customer of his. I'll let him tell his side of the story, but he had met a customer of his who was having a big poker game. So that's how we ended up meeting Wes. He was the host of this poker game. And uh, we went over and started hanging out. And that would have been like 2002, 2003, somewhere around there. And uh, I was finishing up college and uh, uh, ended up going off to law school. And in, in school, you know, law school, if anyone is thinking of going, it kind of sucks. So um, I, I was broke and being sober wasn't awesome in law school. So I decided to learn about this homebrewing thing I'd read about and um, tried to save money. And if there's any homebrewers listening, you guys know that didn't work out too well. So uh, I'd been homebrewing uh, off and on since 2006. Uh, Brandon joined in probably 2009 ish. I don't know. I didn't take it super seriously. It was just trying to make beer for myself. And it, it really just had the effect of getting into craft beer and spending way more money than I'd ever imagined. Um, and then Wes joined us right after that. I don't, you know, 2009, 2010, somewhere in there. Um, so we've been friends for about 15 years as a group. We've been brewing together since about 2010. Um, and uh, Wes got a Brew Magic, which is sort of the. I don't know. <laughs> I like heard this story before from others the Brew Magic. The Brew Magic. I mean, that's. A it lot of folks have it started truly on. Is magic. Pretty expensive yeah. too,
0: right? Like at the time, like relative to you know where you're at in your brewing career.
2: Oh yeah, relative to like a big pot that I negotiated for at a garage sale. That was my first brewing pot. My wife's like, I can't believe you're negotiating on like a three dollar pot. And I was like, right Hey, I'm I'm broke. So uh, if I can get it for two dollars, I'm going to. <laughs> so I have this big dented pot uh, that was uh, our first brew, and it was just a disaster. Um, it was my first brew, at least was. It was terrible. Um, Did you uh, properly pacify it? Our, uh, <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, no, I. Uh, you, you can't drink a lot when you're right. homebrewing at <laughs> first. You need to know what you're doing first. And uh, uh, yeah, it was just a disaster. We tried to brew a stout, and we ended up with like a light brown amber. Oh, nice! <laughs> but it was a it was an okay amber actually. Um, so I guess not that much of a disaster but uh, washing bottles was no fun uh once we started kegging we we ended up brewing a lot more and so west was living up about if is everyone listening to this mostly from chicago or yeah
0: yeah i mean it it gets it's
2: definitely more prominent in the illinois area so if anyone has been to la you've seen the traffic so i worked um about 60 miles east of la and like the beach and I would drive to Brandon's house at the beach, and then we'd drive about an hour and a half north into L.A. And we did that three times a week. So Wes was up in L.A. I'm down in Orange County. Brandon was in, in uh, southern Orange County. And we, we did this drive because all the equipment was at Wes's house. And it was just something we were committed to, and we thought it was fun, and we were trying to get better. And there's literally days where we'd brew, and we weren't happy with the outcome, and we'd just dump it. And that was kind of sad at first, but we realized it was helping us prototype things quicker. And this really was not with the goal of opening a brewery. This was just... If you're going to do something, try to do it well. And uh, we did that for, I think it was about two years. Yeah. And at some point, um, Wes's company was not quite going where we wanted it to. And he said, hey, what if we did a brewery? And, you know, of course, my first reaction is, hell no. Why would we do that? And uh, he, he kind of kept at it a little bit. And then so we started, you know, I, I wrote up a business plan. And we started kind of talking about it. And, well, what would we have to do? Well, soon I was making that drive five times a week. And, uh, and we were dumping way more stuff and dumping more money into the brew magic and related equipment and everything. And um, started visiting facilities and then I think it was in late 2012, we walked into our building that we're in now and said, okay, this could work. We'd looked at, I don't know how many dozen other buildings and they just weren't ideal. They wanted too much money or they were too far from the freeway or ceilings were 12 foot tall and you can't put tanks in. And it was, it was quite the process to look and uh we found the building and just kind of started working on it and from there it was about 14 months before we were before we were open and we didn't really quite know what to expect so that's kind of my story from early to i don't know like us opening i don't you guys probably
1: have other stuff to add so now
0: we have to tarantino this thing yeah everyone's gonna see it differently everybody
1: let's see Wes, you're up. So yeah, I mean the story we we started uh, over uh, the poker games we used to host at my house. It was kind of a that was back in the day when, when poker was really popular and everyone, every one of their mom was playing poker. Bracelets, no limit, you know Texas Hold'em, our good old twenty dollar games. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Nothing wrong with that. In
1: our in our game, we'd, we'd we'd you know have people come over. We'd have like eight people, eight to ten people every Saturday to play a poker game, and and then that's when I met these two guys, and you know I'd met uh, a so, um, one of my friends was also a, my business partner in my... Um, so, we had a, a, a web development company in, uh, in L.A., uh, but he was actually my business partner. It's actually 2003, isn't it? Okay. So, that's before all that. Never mind. Scratch that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah. So, um, my friend had met uh, Brandon over at the Airsoft shop, and uh, so they he'd come over... I used to
4: own an Airsoft shop.
1: Yeah. That was a really fun well, thing. Wait. What? <laughs> Airsoft, like the little BB
0: gun? Yeah. What? Yeah. Jesus, I can't nah. wait to get to that part of oh, the yeah. story. <laughs> We'll get to me soon, yeah. folks.
1: Yeah. So anyways, yeah, we, um, and so we, we did that for a while, and that's why I met these guys. And uh, you know, Steve had mentioned um, they were homebrewing. Uh, they started getting the homebrewing, and um, they had brought me in, and I'm like, well, this is awesome. But like, my, my software background made me go a little nuts. I'm like, dude, i got to do this. i got to do this right. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy the equipment, and actually try to make really great beer at home. And, of course, you know, as Stephen mentioned, we're going to save money on all this beer, and that never happened. I think, yeah. you know, my garage, like <laughs> my garage looked like a nano brewery uh, at that point. I had glycol. I had a bunch of uh, <laughs> conical Jesus. fermenters, and you know, we got to the point where it's like, wow, this is, you know, I, I think we're going overboard in this. And, th- and we we'll are get to the point where.
2: Uh, I'm really sorry. I have to interrupt here. So <laughs> I just want to point out when Wes is saying this, he's like kind of understating this. He actually built his own. Custom uh, grain mill for like a homebrew setup that was bought by an actual operating brewery in our area. So, oh no shit! Yeah, I won't yeah. say who it is, but they they actually bought it and are, as far as I know, currently using it. So it, when he says a little nano brewery, it's it's it was a full three car garage with tools everywhere that was just
1: for brewing. So, anyways, that's all. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so. W- Humility.
0: His humility was coming through. See? And the,
1: we, we got to the point where we, you, know, you know, Steve and uh, Brandon would be coming over uh, know, three or four times a week. And we'd start some of these brews at like 9 p.m. And uh, as, for the homebrewers out there, it takes, you know, six to seven hours to brew a beer. So you know, we're finished at the early hours in the morning. And uh, after that, they'd drive, home, they'd head <laughs> all the way back.
4: Yeah. <laughs> that's like when like the freeways they would have like remember the freeways would used to be closed some always point. closed every night yeah and we had to take side route routes home to my <laughs> to my house and then see if would have to leave from there so that uh, sucked
1: yeah but so at some point i'm like i was getting to the point i was getting a little burnt out uh with web development in la uh and so i was a partner of the company and so i'm like well let's i want to kind of want to leave i'm gonna p- i'm gonna split ways and then i'm like i can like i can use that we can start up a brewery we can you know change you know change paths and and Stephen Brennan, like, maybe we can actually do this, you know? And we were, i think we made that decision point where, like, driving to like one of the Firestone Invitational's, <laughs> we're like, let's do it. We're gonna—we're gonna start a—we're gonna start a brewery.
0: What are the Firestone Invitations? oh the j- Jesus, the brewery Firestone. Okay, so with these like uh, homebrew contest type things, or
4: it's like a big—it's um, their big festival they do every year. It's an Invitational, so. It's a good good way for craft beer fans to enjoy, like, uh, Cigar City or Surly. okay, right, or right. Yeah, kind of like
0: Microfobab's going to be. Yeah, you know, uh, kind exactly, of, uh, yeah. But not quite as, yeah.
4: They always have the breweries bring, like, one fresh beer and one fun barrel-aged rare beer.
0: pretty bu- Is it
1: a pretty big beer? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah it's, you know it's, I mean, it's, but that, it's their scale,
4: massive. yeah, I can imagine.
1: Yeah, th- those, that, that event sells out in, like, seconds. So you're driving to that thing. We're, we're, we're driving to that thing, and, and I think, I yeah, I think. You know, I turned it's like to Like a five-hour drive. <laughs> yeah, and I think like let's let's actually do this. And I think that was the point where we started seriously thinking about it. And I think the very next week we started looking around buildings in our in our area. And Steve it, it
4: had a business plan like a week after, like, ready to go. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> the yeah.
0: reputation of California and that area specifically in traffic-wise, like how important was that to you guys? Like you, you mentioned, like the fr- this one wasn't by the freeway, like.
1: Yeah, you drive
0: uh, everywhere there, right? I mean, just for like the Illinois folk that may not be aware of like the uh, stigma that is
1: LA traffic.
4: Yeah, uh, cars are pretty pretty prevalent in uh, in California. I mean,
1: you you can essentially spend forty five minutes driving like you know six miles.
2: And I just want to point out that so we've been for our current brewery, you know, working on an expansion, and we've been working on it hardcore for about a year and a half, and the holdup has not been the beer it has not been money it has not been the people it's been parking and so like this parking is like no joke they take it so seriously it's like the bane of my existence at this point and it's frustrating because we just want to make beer to you know more people but it's it's parking and so yeah the the traffic and the parking and the location it was really important
4: and it's not like um, you know 20 parking spots we're talking like a short number of extra spots that we don't have and like trying to make up make that make that up some way it's pretty funny
1: yeah i think it's the 20 parking spots we don't have i think that's what the, the biggest fight we've been having wow
0: <laughs> yeah. that's bananas that's the thing people don't yeah people don't see like behind that curtain very often of
1: what mm-hmm. it takes to make something like that happen yeah, exactly and uh, but yeah anyway so we we opened up after you know the a year it was like a year or year and a half right around there and um and then yeah, we just kind of started just brewing and you know trying to go to the plan we had set but as everyone knows you never go to plan so it's you know, things always change
0: oh you don't set timelines and budgets and things and they all just work out oh we, we
1: tried and you what know, hell's we, going on over it's there like guys. After, like, after six months we kind of like threw it out and just rebuilt it get it together
0: <laughs> all right oh i lost my monitor all right so now what now where's the next
4: oh so where's
0: yeah the, where's the next piece to this puzzle here
4: yeah, so... Know, right?
0: um, the Airsoft Master. I
4: used to own an Airsoft shop. Uh, it was just something fun I got into at the end of, uh, end of my high school career. What year was this? Um, I opened what? the shop in 2003. 2003. Oh, my God. Well,
0: I just, I, it's funny that, that that'd be the date because... I went to college in that same time frame, and all the guys in the apartment building that I live in decided to get into those as well during that time. We have this really long, like handy cam shot video. Uh, we called it don't bring a knife to a gunfight and it's just set to like Metallica's master of puppets and just a great montage of people just getting blasted with these different airsoft
4: rifles. So I specialized more, I specialized more in the, um, the guys and their and their you know uh, um, ex-military guys who just want to like you know re- reenact their you know things they did in their career. Uh, a lot of these guys are in their 40s and up, and um, you, you like some of the some of the setups you would see would just amazing. Like some guys were buying uh, buying old half-deuce uh, trucks from the military. Um. Uh. One. One uh, campout <coughs> event we did. There was some. Someone had a mobile kitchen from the military. They bought, and there were. It was working, and that's how we had dinner during this events. But people would spend all their money on the tactical gear. Um. You know, part of it was like looking the same and stuff like that.
2: I just wanted to add that one of Brandon's best customers was actually a college professor of mine that taught history. And he was like, "Wait, I can just go buy all these realistic-looking guns without av- actually having to, you know, own a gun and all the the paperwork and everything." And he would go in and spend thousands of dollars at the airsoft shop, and he still—I don't know if he's played lately, but he still collects everything. That's crazy. Yeah,
0: these some. It's of, a subculture that. Yeah. That not everybody's aware of.
2: And we would do modify like it
4: was a shop too, so we do modifications like for Bob. I would, uh, I did some, I put some real steel parts. Not like shooting parts or anything dangerous, but like uh grips or real right. wood or stuff like that. Cause, uh, to to some people that matters, and we still we we still try to keep a um you know responsible business with the orange tips on the end and stuff like that
0: right that's that's a crazy business it so it was. <laughs> So you're doing that for? I mean, it's almost like a, essentially like a hobby shop. It was uh, a hobby
4: was, shop, yeah. It did not make any money. It did not make well, any that money. That happens, yeah. I, I I did I did walk away with what I put into it, so that that was good. Um, but um,
0: now you're doing something slightly cooler. Yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But at that time, uh, Steve uh, Steve and I um, knew each other through a, fr- a friend that I had then um through poker and who works for us now now he works for nice. us now he's actually going to be flying out tomorrow to hang out with us and go to the bears game and the, go hey, to the tommy. bears game yeah Tommy. hey what's up tommy hey uh, tom but um we um, steve and i uh would <laughs> i remember we'd have like it'd be late night i'd text steve I'd be like hey do you want to go to casino morongo right now and it's like uh, a two-hour drive there and it's like 11 at night and we're like oh we'll just play we'll just play a little poker and get back before 7 a.m it'll be great
0: just before 7 a.m. Yeah,
4: But, um, no, so, and then um, uh, Forrest, who was one of my customers that lived with Wes, uh, he invited us over for that poker game, like Wes said. Um, and, I don't know, we just kind of ha- hit it off in terms of, like, banter and, uh, shared interests and stuff like that. We'd 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 all go play games at the casino every once in a while, um, and then that evolved. Like Wes actually played airsoft with us for a couple times. Steve Steve was like my number. Uh, we were like like crazy into the the game part of uh, playing airsoft and stuff like that, and um, kind of evolved from there. Um, Steve invited me to homebrew with him a couple times at that at that point when uh, he was just uh, doing we were doing kit the kits.
2: I just wanted someone to wash
4: bottles, really. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So I was there to wash bottles. Um, nice little bottle
0: tree, letting you. you yeah, know.
4: but the funny thing was, is uh, Wes got into it. Um, I invited him to. You, you know, like, do, do they have those like brew, brew yourself places here in Chicago?
0: Wait, what? So brew yourself places.
4: So there's a in in Huntington uh, Beach, there's a place where it's a brewery, but they invite people to come and brew their own batches. I there. I have not
0: seen that. Hold on, I'm leaving now. I'm gonna go start this business. Yeah, no,
4: it's, no. Cre- it's pretty popular. There's two of them now right now in in California that I can I can think of. Um, but I invited Wes to brew a beer with me there, and it was funny because the whole time the first thing. You know, his first reaction to everything was like, oh, I can make this better. Like, uh, and not even the beer, but like Jeez, the process. Wes, way to be an asshole. He's looking at the, he's looking <laughs> I at the process. I can do this way better. P- <laughs> <laughs> well, like the process piping and uh-huh. the flow of the floor. And he's like, he's like, he's you know, we're bumping into someone else who's making a beer. He's like, oh, I would have totally positioned these tanks differently. <laughs> but And that's where it started. And then he, we all brewed together after that because uh, Wes liked it and then wes is like uh comes back to steve and i the week after that and it's like okay guys we're gonna we're gonna take this a little bit more serious i ordered this brew magic and we're like oh cool <laughs> that's awesome so the brew magic why, why does everybody have the brew magic story
0: everybody's story starts somewhere with a brew magic or or a psycho brew system in, yeah. the, in the midwest you know
2: that was our other option we looked at that one yeah yeah
0: <laughs> the psycho brew system
4: yeah I definitely don't miss an i don't miss uh graining out on the brew magic though that was a pain in the butt
0: why what was it what was the setup like for
4: it's just essentially a keg with the top uh, Oh right right okay. and you know we had you either had to let it cool down and then you could dump it all out or you had to scoop it out um so it was just a pain in the butt sounds
0: terrible
2: i remember uh west was in japan i don't know why you were there you're doing something fun and uh, we're, getting these Wes. <laughs> we're getting these texted instructions because by this point he would kind of made the brew magic his own, but with modifications and stuff. Oh, yeah. I think that was the best beer that was ever brewed when you weren't there. Yeah, when Steve <laughs> and I did it,
4: that
0: was a good brew day. So what you're saying is Wes was the problem, is what you're saying? Well,
2: I don't know if I'd go that far, <laughs> but uh, no, i was just like teasing. But just like, said, like but he'd but had it all modified and it, it like fit him, and he knew what he wanted to do with it. And I think that was one cool thing on the brew magic is that it was something that we could tweak a little bit. Um, and, and learn from And like you tweak it And like hey did that make it better Nope that tasted terrible Let's go back You know and then It let us modify things And try new, new things And in fact we'd made a beer on there That uh, we still sell today Double actuator And it's our uh, double IPA And uh, one of our first uh, Actually our first uh, brewer hire he didn't believe that we'd made it on a homebrew system. So he thought we'd bought the oh, beer wow. to like interview him or something and sell it. And I was like, no, we made it here. This is what we fucking did. So take a look at it. And he just he would not believe us. Um, I, the beer has improved since then, I still think. I would and, imagine. Maybe yeah, but it, but it was pretty good then. and uh, it, Only it was, slightly. It was letting us uh, experiment with different hops and come up with the combinations. Like I said, we've tweaked it for sure, but um, that's still, it's pretty much the same recipe that we've been making for about six years. And um, I wish we could make more of it. So...
0: Why, what, what, am, why am I inferring from listening to the three of you guys that Dylan, where did your story start then? Cause you, you were like not involved in any of this.
3: No. So, um, I actually You're like the new guy, huh? Yeah, yeah. I jumped on board with bottle logic, uh, right after their first anniversary. Um, I found them on a, on a pro brewer ad. I, um, uh, I got my start in beer,
2: Team. I just have to jump in here, so you know, he raises his hand. Too, I like know. <laughs> I want to be polite here, but so Dylan had actually applied to work with us before we were open, yeah, and that's true. we we didn't interview him because he didn't have brewing experience. I thought and he was gonna
0: say a beard, but
2: oh, you did that, have a beard. that you is told me before. You, you did have a beard, the then? beard, not not that not at that point. I don't think I've seen you with a beard. Yeah. Anyway, so, so you didn't have you guys, guys were like experience. in planning. Yeah, no, we were still in planning, and you had applied, but I was like, well, I don't know, you know, where did this guy brood, and, you know, and then after that is when you went to Siebel, and, well, your whole story, but yeah. I just thought it was really fun that when he when he had applied, and we were looking for someone and came back that had applied before, and that kind of shows, like, yeah, I really want to work with you guys, you know, and that's, I don't know, I think it's awesome, Yeah, personally.
3: So, um, I uh, I was like everyone else. Well, I think like most people who got into brewing, it, it started with, with home brewing. I had a little bit different of, uh, uh, you know, diving into home brew. Um, I, I was really interested uh, in brewing f- mostly because of the craft brewing industry. I, I loved the beers. I loved the brands. I liked the, the general vibe of, of the industry, you know, kind of the... Champions of independent business and just doing their own thing, you know, blaze your own trail. You're like um, speaking
0: to my heart right now. I, I almost have a tear ready to come. <laughs> it's, uh, so, so get, before you keep going, like, give me a time frame on that. So, like, this is well, where, where are you at? Seven. So at this point, you're just you're into craft beer at this point, man.
3: Yeah, I mean, I. You're trying
0: I'll, to find a way to get into that industry, right? Almost? Yeah. So
3: all through college, you know, I. Um, I was the the guy in college who, you know, the friends would go get a thirty rack of Bud Light and and I'd I'd parcel off down the aisle and go get a six pack or two of something decent.
0: Dylan's going to get his weird beer again.
3: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'd rather have like four or five, you know, higher alcohol beers in a night than like twelve cores Lights. Yep. Uh, so that's. Kind of how that started. Uh, at, I'd always been really into cooking, so it was kind of a natural progression to figure out, like, all right, like, why is this beer so good? So I'd, I started looking into home brewing. Um, I read like three or four books before I even bought anything, and I. Uh, it was funny the the homebrew shop where I got my start. Um, this guy Gary, he's great. I mean, he's super helpful, but he's the only guy like or a, a salesman. You know, technically, he's, he's trying to sell stuff out of shop. Yeah. He's the only guy who has routinely talked me out of buying things. Like, so I go in nah, there... Nah, you I, don't want that. You don't yeah, want that. No, I was ready to drop, like, like seven or eight hundred dollars on like a full all grain system like you like, thought
0: you did your research you're like I yeah can't like that's like what i do with like a fucking appliance or like a tv i go yeah. there i'm like i doubt my research then the guy's like i wouldn't buy that one like, yeah no, no.
3: so i was there like three I, days. I know what i wanted i wanted to get a 10 gallon all grain system so i was ready to buy a couple different stainless vessels some like a rubbermaid hot liquor tank and he was like don't do that he's like go, go he's like buy buy a five gallon kettle and get an extract kit go home and make sure you like it he's like because some people get into their first batch and they they're like this is not for me it's you know a lot of cleaning a lot of sanitizing takes a long time and you often don't like the result he's like he's like get some buckets get a kettle do the kit and you can come back if you want he's like Cause you're gonna need a kettle which the kettle he t- he pointed me towards i i ended up replacing like a month later anyway so I, I brewed, like, three or four extract kits before I, I uh, went back. I was like, all right, I get it. I'm cheating. Time to buy the all grain kit. So uh, I dove in, and I was just obsessed. I uh, I was probably brewing, like, three or four batches a week, which uh, anyone who homebrews, you know, like, you can't drink that much beer. So what do you do? Oh, I'd take it all the way through to bottling or kegging. I, I, bottled, I bottled a lot, I, even when I got my kegging system i'd still you know i'd run out of room in the kegs and then bottle one why and, bottle uh, so much i'd, I'd give that it away a pain in the ass yeah it's a pain in the ass but Just it's easier the to sixils. give to friends <laughs> so ones that would taste really good in the fermenter i'm like all right we'll bottle this one and i'll gift it out um you know but but i dumped a lot of beer because <laughs> i'd i'd have something that's ready and it's like well i want i want to brew again i need the fermenter so i i dump whatever was left in a keg and rack that one into a keg so i could free up a fermenter for my wow. next brew yeah I, I just i wasted tons of money
0: that's a sickness yeah that's a-
3: yeah i was yeah my, my wife uh my wife's awesome though she she was super supportive through all of it Were you married
0: at that time at 2007 not at that or time no dating no. her so or, we, we were
3: dating but living together Wait, can I
0: time um, out real quick? You two, if you want to get beer, you can get beer. Don't worry. Don't don't be worried about the sound quality or anything. If you want to get up and get. You guys have empty glasses. You can get a beer. They're all looking like, wait, what? They want beer. <laughs> they can get a beer. They want beer. I hate to be like, hey, snap, snap, bring us beer. Yeah. Um, now I'm all right. Thank you guys. So, so so she she's being cool about it. Yeah, a,
3: wife was super supportive. She she liked helping out. She liked tasting the the new creations and. Uh, and so, you know, for work at the time, I was coaching water polo. Um, Wait, what? Yeah, so I, what? I, I grew up playing water polo. I uh, I ended up at UCLA playing water polo there.
0: Definitely um, the first water polo reference on my podcast in 60 well, plus episodes. I'm Chicago's impressed.
3: actually not. It's not a horrible water polo. Scene. Really? You guys had, yeah, there's some good. teams I did not even know we here. had pools
4: here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's okay, I guess. You know?
3: No, no, there are there are. There's actually a uh, there's one club in particular who who's Competitive. I mean, they come really? out. Yeah, they come to out to West Coast and they do. They do well in tournaments. It's one of I, those.
0: It's one of those games that like you don't realize you like it until you start watching it. You're like, holy shit, this is it's fucking fun entertaining. Like, yeah, I used yeah. to play. Sec- I would die doing. I used it, to play set guard in uh, high school. Yeah, I don't think that would be for me. I yeah. would drown. There's you need a lot of cardiovascular and uh, strength. Oh, yeah. They do that. It's right?
3: intense. Um, but so I, I didn't play my entire career at UCLA. Um, so after I stopped playing, I just started coaching. Um, there's a local club up up near LA that, uh, you know, that very competitive and they needed coaches all the time. So I, I did that and I was coaching for like six or seven years and just, I decided, uh, it was right around the time my wife and I, you know, we, we got engaged we were playing in the wedding and I'm, you know, we obviously wanted to start a family and I just didn't really want the schedule of, uh, of a coach. You know, you just, you're, you're not at home very much, especially with, with water polo.
0: You're traveling all over the place. <laughs>
3: yeah, so. well, yeah. Every every weekend, you got tournaments. You're you're. You, we were at the pool every day from like two p.m. to nine p.m. because we were running high school practices right after school, and then high school practice would end, and we'd immediately start holding our club practices for age group teams. And so it's just it's busy, um, but it, it allowed me to brew a lot because you know if I didn't have a morning practice to host for the high school team. Um, I didn't have to be at work until two. So I'd get up early and I'd, I'd brew a batch of beer, get it in the fermenter and then drive, drive to work. It's a long day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It was fun. I loved it. So I got to a point where I was like, all right, I don't want to coach. What do I want to do? I was like, well, I'm still really into this brewing thing and it seems to be gaining a lot more traction. There are more breweries opening up in our area. So first I tried to, uh, I tried to just get a job at a brewery and everybody either wanted experience or education of which I, I had no professional experience. I had plenty of homebrewing experience. Do
0: you mind if I jump in on you for sure. a second? So, <laughs> so the time frame that we discussed, so how old are you at this point? Like, where are you, like, early uh, 20s? Oh, man, uh-huh. I was
3: 25.
0: So 25, this is 2000, 12. 2012-ish. So I, I just wonder, I, I, I'm curious for my, my own perspective as a, as a Chicago beer lover, like I feel like the California beer scene was a little more advanced, faster than what we experienced yeah, here.
3: Yeah. San Diego had um, quite a few then. I don't remember what exactly what the count is now. It's like I mean there were right. 150 or but something. You had Stone stupid.
0: and you had some of these big guys that were already there and yeah. kind of making it a thing. You know? Right.
3: No, and I I reached out to all of them. I I emailed Stone Brewing and was like, Hey, like I'll come.
0: Hey, Mitch. Uh, yeah. I was <laughs> like,
3: I'll come work for free, even though I'm like can't really work for free. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You, know, Wait, that's you illegal. rolled the dice. You all tried. Right. I mean, co- okay. Coaches don't make great money, but I made, I made pretty good money between like private lessons and club and high school salary. It was not bad. Um, enough. but yeah, so I, I got to a point, I, t- I tried enough with trying to get a job at a brewery where I'm like, all right, this is, isn't working out. Um, but I was pretty serious about it. So I started looking into schooling and, um, I'd looked into Siebel like a couple years prior, ultimately didn't pull the trigger because they were like, Oh, well there's a two year wait list. And I was like, well, I want to do something now. So then I went back, you know, trying, trying to just Hard. get in touch with local breweries and, uh, find a job. But so I, I got in touch with Siebel again. And it was like, it was just one of those meant to be things where the day I emailed with the, um, the ladies who, who manage all of the, um, admissions and right. tuition, they're like, you emailed us on the perfect day. Today is when we get in touch with people who have been waitlisted and say, all right, today's the day that dues are, are ready for this next coming session. And they had three people who had been waitlisted and ultimately decided they didn't want to do the program. Holy so shit. Like, we have three seats and if you want one, you should, you should pay your dues today.
0: That's absolutely crazy. That's, yeah, that's I saw, awesome. Man. I
3: got off the phone and I talked to my wife. I was like, should we do this? she's like, yeah, do it. So that's uh, so
0: crazy though. Like that she's yeah. just, she's just on board.
3: Yeah. Like that's, that's great. So we, we pulled the trigger and, um, which was crazy cause we were in the middle of planning our wedding. So before <laughs> I, before I paid, I, I called cause our wedding was in May and the program, it wasn't obvious on the website, but, um, anyway, the program appeared to still be running through the month of May. And I, I call him, I was like, You think it'll be all right if I, I like, leave Germany for a week and come back? She's like, oh, I mean, yeah, you can just, you know, if there's a quiz, you can make it up. It's like, why, why do you have to leave? I was like, oh, I, I kind of have to get married. <laughs> and she was like, oh, my, yeah, Ex- Explain the Explain
0: the Siebel kind of program and how it sets okay. up. Yeah, but so I, I did I, there I, th- um, I think Sean may have actually explained some of it, and Dave Kearns over at Solomoth, if you know Solomoth here in the sure. Chicagoland suburbs. We, Siebels come up plenty of times, obviously, in right. people's stories, but – but I, it's a curriculum that I don't know if people understand. Like, I know that there's parts of it in Germany. And yeah, I, you know. so
3: um, Siebel, historically, the the program was always more geared to, uh, like, big breweries, right? So, you know, the education is uh, a lot of the process, te- process technology we learn about is all kind of larger scale brewing, right? Because the, for, for the longest time, I mean... I think I was the second class where the, the dynamic really started to shift and it became more like younger people who they, they want to graduate and get a job in craft. But before that, what it really was, was like a lot of employees from Budweiser and Miller and Molson would send their, their current employees there and you could, you could take the course in modules. So you've got like the, the concise course, which is two weeks long. And then the next one after that is the associates, which is an, a, an additional four weeks. So the, these companies could send employees for like two weeks one year. They'd complete the first, do the second module the year after. So over four years, you could compile all the modules for their master brewer degree, or you could do what I did, and I just I did the master brewer program in one shot. It's it's over about six months.
0: And um, is that. All that time take place in different places, or physically, or
3: Uh, so. The first uh, six weeks, which is the concise and the associates, is in Chicago, and then you go to Germany for uh, the first four weeks. Comprises the the international diploma, and then there's an additional eight weeks. In in uh, Munich for the master program.
0: So how did you approach that? I mean, you're, you're, you were you born and raised California kid, like yeah. And then you, su- you spent some time in Chicago. Then I mean, yeah, the place lived, you're sitting uh, right now. I mean, did you have fond memories of the area and that too? Or
3: yeah, I lived uh, I lived in a Homewood Suites in nice. River North for six weeks. Which living in a hotel for six it's weeks so is weird. weird. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Some people there it got um, weird. They did. Uh, not Airbnbs, but there was, a, there was a couple places where it was like you could basically rent a room. It was like a shared a apartment, but it was through the school. Like, the yeah. school had this contact.
0: Almost um, like a dormitory that they outsourced right. or they, something.
3: They had a couple different options um, as far as, like, deals that you could get through the school. Like, I got I got a pretty significant discount through Homewood Suites because of the school. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I I don't know ultimately why I decided to do the Homewood Suites, but... I, I, was, uh, <laughs> I had free breakfast every day. I made really good friends. Continental
0: breakfast, bitch.
3: <laughs> yeah, I made really good friends with uh, this guy Pete Kalinich, who's the uh, up, Pete? He, he's the head brewer at Yingling.
0: Oh no, shit! Yeah, so I love a good Yingling, man. Me, me and
3: Yingling Pete had breakfast with the uh, every every morning there at the Homewood Suites. That's amazing. He's, yeah, it so was
2: cool. So this year at the Craft Brewers Conference, we drank a a bar twice, a, a dry twice of Yingling. So yeah. yeah. Our, our group went in and it was just ordering yinglings until they ran out. And then they had to restock. And then two days later, we I went I love in. that beer. Yeah, man. we do. And we can't get it in California. So,
0: no, we can't get it here. I mean, you can get it. You have to go to Ohio or go, you know, to wherever you, Pennsylvania, whatever the hell you, you know. Luckily, my father in law's uh, sister, so my, my wife's aunt, she, her, she married a guy who has a brother in Cleveland. So every time he goes, he brings back a half barrel of it for my father in law's uh, kegerator. It's damn good,
4: dude. Yangling, baby. Yeah. It's great. I damn love. Uh, last time it was in Boston, and you don't just you don't just say I'll take a Yingling. You just say I'll take a Logger, and like people know what you want. Uh, yeah,
0: there's no uh, there's no confusion there. Yeah. It's just yeah, that's what we're gonna get you. I mean, even like we go to Myrtle Beach every once in a while. They they have it down there, and I'm like, this is a treat. It's a nice little treat. Yeah, and with, like around here in the Chicagoland area, like uh, for example, you guys are gonna be a part of Microphobab. So uh, Mike Palin uh, over at at Microphone, he. Uh, it is smells like a beer fest this year. Instead of doing the Pale Popper Day, he did smells like a beer fest. Sixty breweries came in, crazy awesome festival, like five hundred people. He had Miller come and deliver High Life six pack bottles for everyone's station. Like so, when everybody arrived to set up, they had a six pack of High Life waiting for them, you know, at the spot. So all the brewers in this area, they just love High Life for some reason. So you know, like Yangling for me, that's that beer for me. You know.
3: Oh yeah. That's my that's my lawnmower beer. That's what I keep in my fridge at home. The lawnmower beer, right?
0: Yeah. Right. So how do you how do you procure it all the time? Man? High life. No. Oh, high life. Okay. You're talking about. Uh, high life. I thought you were talking about the Yanglings. No. Stuff. Okay. Yeah. We
3: don't get Yangling in California. Yeah. I wish we could. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like I said, tell tell J- when, when we get done, tell John the assistant brewer. You know, Sean's assistant brewer over there. Tell him to show you the picture of him at the Bears game on Sunday with well, his two tall boy high last, one in hand, one in chest pocket.
4: That's, that's funny. That's how you do it, man. That's how you do it. I always like the. Um, my hosen story that you tell oh school. yeah that was amazing
3: <laughs> Well, he's
0: got like a party story that it's, he's known yeah. for it's f- so it's pretty the pretty awesome. like dylan dylan please tell the story
3: <laughs> <laughs> so that when we were in munich in the uh, there there was a group of guys who were just doing the international diploma so at the end of that first four weeks they were done they were going home so we uh, we had a big party we got a uh, a cask of lager at, at one of the beer halls there you can you can get like a wood. It's a pitch line wood cask, and then you've got to hammer a hammer. I'm, I'm already
0: lost. Pit, what, pitch line wood cask. What is? Yeah.
3: Pitch? So it's like a classic way of of uh, storing beer. So it's it's a it's made like a barrel, right? Like a wood cask with metal hoops, but they line the inside of it with pitch. It's kind of like a tar. Reasoning?
0: Yeah. Any reasoning, or uh, you, they, yeah, do? you don't
3: actually re- get any wood flavor. It's traditional. It's just like a though. it's a water resistant barrier, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay.
4: So just imagine this beer hall with like a table that we're sitting at right now, and this you know server comes up and puts it right on the table yeah, for you yeah. to have serve, but you have to tap it. Yeah. So you the guest a, has to like tap you it. Pound the hammer. In it? Yeah. You like, got a
3: hammer okay. and you got a brass spile, a brass faucet. Yeah. And you're supposed to kind of line it up. I, that's new. Yeah. You're, like, you're learning me things, brah. Yeah, you're supposed to line like it, it up and just give it one good whack to punch through. and yeah, you never It'll tap. break the seal. Never tap. And, never tap. N- no and, tap, tap. And uh, sure it up. And this guy, Jesse. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, <laughs> fucking Jesse. Jesse just... Uh, yeah, he, tap, he tapped. He was a little apprehensive. <laughs> and so he broke the seal, but he didn't make a... He didn't make like... He didn't seat the faucet. So there's... Just a, a geyser of beer oh, look, going. Look everywhere. at every celebrity,
0: Mike Palin, right there. There he is. We <laughs> should right. we should we should uh, yell at him. Sorry, no. Sorry. So he didn't seat the faucet. All he no. didn't give it his all. No, he didn't saying. give it
3: his all. He uh, he was timid.
0: Did you? Were you? You were sitting there witnessing this.
3: I was on the other side of the table watching the whole thing. This <laughs> this German dude.
0: Was it like slow motion for you? Like oh, he didn't get it. <laughs> like, oh yeah, we all we all
3: got some epic pictures. The. Uh, the, the waitress Her hands are up in the air Like squinting her eyes Like yeah, beer right. just Oh But this This older German man Who was there <laughs> That's my um, favorite part yeah, The German beer hall Is like <laughs> No joke For for the people Who live in Munich I mean it's like The thing to do On the weekend you Okay Throw on your Grandpa's Grandpa's Lederhosen And you go to the beer hall Grandpa's, grandpa's. Do you
4: know how expensive Lederhosen is They are very expensive
3: Oh yeah Good, good pair of Deer leather Lederhosen are Like 300 euro Damn. Damn. Yeah. You but keep anyway. that in the family. That's so this okay. guy's is like hes like 60. Ball sweat and all. You keep it all in there. Yeah. Yeah. 60, 70 year old man. He just, he flies up. He's standing and he just screams. He's like,
4: Oh, my hosen. <laughs> oh,
3: <my>
0: <laughs> 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 and translating to Oh, my pants. <laughs> oh, my
3: pants. <laughs> <laughs> what the? F- he had beer just streaming like down his back, down his butt crack, probably out his later hose. In just, oh Jesus! We were so we felt so bad. We we basically I think we made it up to him by saying that they him and his table can pour beers out of our cask like all night, f- all night, free, free beer like.
4: Cause that's a lot of, vo- it's a big volume of beer that you. It topped. was a lot yeah, of beer. Like how, yeah,
0: how many people do you need to have with you to like
3: it was a, it was a make
4: ten... it a worthwhile purchase?
3: It was a ten-gallon cask. What? Yeah, yeah. ten-gallon cask. We finished it pretty quick.
0: With how many people? There were like twelve of us. Damn, son, that's a sixel. That's more than that's less than a sixel. I mean, or more than a sixth, I mean, it's two. A two, two six-tools. Six-tools. Yeah, double up. Jesus,
3: yeah, it was hefty. It was a good time. Like I love that story. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's an amazing story. Ah, right?
3: my frozen. Ah, cousin. Cousin. Yeah, so he was uh, not happy.
0: So I mean, when when you talk about Siebel like that, I mean, then you seem to still have, you know, lucid memory and thoughts of of the, your time with it. Like, oh, you it was think the it's best. just like, yeah, it was like it, like you you wouldn't be where you're at now had you. No, just not at all. Kept so homebrewing and tried to figure it out.
3: No, um, you know, and one of our uh, one of our instructors gave me probably the best piece of advice that I got during school was (coughs) excuse me. Um, How dare you cough during this show. Unbelievable. Um he said, you know, you guys should try to get a job at the biggest brewery you can. And he's like, and I know some of you guys want to go craft, but like if you can get a job at like a bud plant, like, do it. So I didn't I didn't take it that extreme. I was like, nah, I still want to work in a craft brewery, <laughs> but I did. I went. I applied to um, all of the you know biggest breweries that were near us, and I landed a job at Stone Brewing. Uh, so I got my start professionally there. Uh, worked my way up through the cellar, uh, center fusion filtration, and ultimately to the brew house. Before um, my wife and I decided to start a family, and I, I needed to get a job closer to home because I was driving from Long Beach to Escondido. I was like. 800 miles a week is 80 mile one ways. 800 miles a week. He was week. doing a yeah. great oh, too. Jesus. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. What? Yeah. That I worked like, all Didn't we all talk the about shifts. love and
0: passion earlier? Didn't we talk about Yeah. That. Like that—that's the only way to explain something like that, right? I mean, yeah. What, what else? Unless but they're paying you hundred thousand dollars a year to do it. No.
3: You know, yeah. Like i think I started at—is uh, fif- that the, fifteen an hour?
0: Is that the natural progression though? Like what you went through—it's you know—you said stone, you start a cellar, centrifuge. That's is, it's is a that pretty kind of common
3: a- progression for for a brewer to start. You start in the mm-hmm. cellar, you know, cleaning tanks. You know, doing gravity samples.
0: You know what Evan did here? Evan the GM. He's a, he. Uh, he was a busboy for like five days and then he became gm i told him they need to check into their hr system here it's weird <laughs> sean That's was funny. a host at one of the restaurants at the ram at one point and then he was the head brewer i'm like what what are, what are you getting these interviews there like se- what are you guys doing here seems That's to be awesome.
4: a lot of people from the ram and uh, opening up breweries or being part of a brewery yeah,
0: sean was kind of paired with justin over at hop butcher for a while yeah. and then jude and jeremiah plucked him from the ram after sean left the ram Came came here man it's a it's uh i like to
4: hear the the tight-knit family staying together like that
0: (laughs) they are like uh i always i they they hate you know because i'm i'm such a fanboy you know i'm a big fanboy of all these breweries like more and microphone and uh and in hot butcher in the chicagoland area and it's like i always tell them and they hate they probably hate it because i'm like you guys are like baseball cards for me like you guys are like the uh, that's a a good analogy so recently you know like uh i did i did a, a full episode during a brew of seven breweries coming together for a collaboration. These guys are all friends. It's Workforce, Hailstorm. Sean was a part of that from more uh, uh, Flesk Brewing. So uh, Brickstone in Bourbon, a, Illinois, and they all came together and they made a giant stout and they called it Surrounded by Idiots, you know, and they let me come and hang out for the brew day. Do a, We did a live show. We rotated people in and off the mics and it was like, I told them, I'm like, this is like the, all, you know, the, the brewing all-star team for beer nerds, you know. People don't realize that some beer nerds are so deep in the world and especially like for me they love the brewers like they love an athlete like you know they see and they're like man i really that guy makes the thing that i love the most you know in the world and I, the thing that i'll go out of my way to go sit in a line for eight hours and that's kind of you know th- with the, the podcast it's like you know i want to give those people some sort of insight to that person so you know when i'm talking to you about siebel and head you know your titles head brewer or whatever but like I'm hearing like I'm responsible for some of the best beers you've ever drank. Basically, you know, I know <laughs> you don't think that you're probably not having that go through your head, but I don't know if you guys appreciate that or know that beer nerds do look at it like that when they.
3: No, yeah, I think we try to keep that in mind when we're um, when we're making decisions on a beer. We we ultimately know that uh, the people who get it in their hands are what you know allow us to do what we do. You know we. We can't do what we do if we don't have people who buy and love the beer, and it's got to be good beer because otherwise they wouldn't come back and buy more.
4: I think um, I think it's safe to say that most craft beer is an experience, versus hundred <laughs> percent.
0: And I'm I, like I was t- I, I can't remember which one of you guys I was talking to before we started, but yes a, I, I came kind of, I came from like a corporate... you know I was, I worked a normal job for. At, you know for my whole life it, up until four months ago I started to work for these two guys own a small you know slashy on-premise off-premise bottle shop you know or 12 taps and that kind of thing so I that's my job now that's wh- that's where I work so now I'm starting to see like from the other side of like the business side of this thing and and it's it's very like like our customers from what I've noticed uh, they love to have the relationship with the beer not just the beer doesn't just can't just taste good and then I like it. That's fine. That's going to get you somewhere. But uh, let's say, for example, Justin from Hot Butcher uh, locally, you know, Justin uh, Miller, he, he went on a trip on a bus with a keg of Hot Butcher beer to a White Sox baseball game over the summer with our customer base. Those people will never pass up a Hot Butcher beer when it comes out. You know, like they, they build that relationship with these these people, like, this dude just hung out with us. He chugged beers and, you know, talked and just kind of talked shop. Got a bunch of homebrewers that come in. They're picking brains. Like, just at the that beer I was talking about with all the breweries they did the collab for, with Sean was a part of, they just did the release on Saturday. And a bunch of the people that come into the local bottle shops in the area, they're all there. And Sean's there. And Tr- Chris from Transient's there. And Sean gave two of the homebrewers. Like, these guys are up-and-coming, really talented homebrewers. Um, so they're picking Sean's brain for half an hour and Sean's smiling the whole time. Like, it's not like, Oh, I got to deal with this. You know, like this is my job. I don't need to deal with you. He's just like loving the talk. He's going over how he gets viscosity on his stouts and, you know, we're temperature control and things like that. And it's like that kind of stuff builds these kind of relationships. I mean, do you
2: guys see that in your, your neck of the woods? Totally. Yeah. We would not be where we are today if it wasn't for people helping us and, being able to talk to people and bounce ideas off and get their opinions on things and uh, we try to do that if, if at all possible. We try to share what we can, talk with people, give as much time as we can because we talked with people and said, hey, we're going to be opening a brewery and, you know, for the most part, people are really accepting and welcoming of that and, uh, you know, give a lot of advice and help and so we try to turn that around and then hopefully those people down the road will be doing mm-hmm. the same thing with the next group. So, um, yeah, there's there's a whole group, and it's probably one of my favorite things is having a uh, you know a, a book of business cards or whatever that I can pick up the phone if I have a problem in almost any area of the business I have someone to call, and and that's awesome. So we're not alone, you know. It's not just us inventing random stuff. That's fun for beer. It's not so much fun for you know what are you doing? Yeah, I got a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's a whole bunch of collaboration in the industry. There's a whole bunch of um, uh, shared, I mean, we're all in this together, right? Like, it was really fun going to a brewery, I don't know, probably 10 times our size. When we went to Toppling Goliath, and one of the brewers ran in, and they were talking about a, an inventory problem, and <laughs> my wife and I had been dealing like, with Whoa, this. Whoa, you have issues? <laughs> <laughs> my wife and I had been dealing with the exact same thing last Wednesday, and to hear someone that, you know, from our perspective, has it all figured out, you know, 10 times bigger than us, this a beautiful new facility, and they're having the exact same problem, um, like I say, we're in this together and any way we can make it better for someone else and if hopefully someone else can make it better for us we try to listen and learn
4: I do love um, when we would go around and tell people that we were opening a brewery and then opening the brewery, I loved some of those people who would come back to us like, man, when you said you were going to open a brewery, I thought you were full of shit <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't <laughs> totally you start
4: airsoft guns? <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't think you guys that were serious about that, but no, that's that's always fun um, but to jump back on to, like, the customers, I think the one thing that we really focus on and do really well is um, our, our marketing director, uh, Lindsay, especially. We we do all these fun things in the tasting room and in all our, uh, of our events. And we we just um, – there's, like, you know, we have a badge system where these patches you can earn. And they don't mean – they don't mean anything in a... Shh,
0: don't tell them that.
4: In a <laughs> monetary sense or anything like that, and they don't have to buy them. But it's something cool to collect, and it's you, like... You can't buy them, as a matter you of can't, fact. You can no. only earn them. You can only you earn cannot them. cannot buy them. But, uh, so you get,
0: like, real-life badges instead of untapped badges. Yeah.
4: Or, like, I, I would more liken it to, like, the Xbox achievements. Okay. But, like... I love uh, the last event we had and I saw, I saw I saw a guy with um he was wearing just like a uh, carhartt jacket and he had like uh, 20 patches on a, the back of it and I'm like man that's legit like that's yeah that's an achievement right there dedicated too but like we, we yeah. love interacting like, with our customers this is my best coat
0: too yeah. and I I didn't mind putting him on
4: <laughs> we love inter- we love interacting with all of our customers I, d- I don't know when this will air but if you're at Phobab come say hi to us
0: Just me personally? Yeah, I'll I'll be there. I'll say hi. Uh,
2: We have a management meeting every Tuesday. And literally, it seems like every third word that's in that uh, meeting is, yeah, but what are our our guests going to think of this? What are our customers going to think of this? And driving that customer experience is literally at the heart of everything that we do.
0: It's so weird to balance in this industry, I feel like, because it's such a cool industry. It really is. I mean, uh, Dylan talked about it. And everything Dylan said, I was completely like, you know... I'm not saying you know it's the same thing for me, but like very similar th- mindsets of like what the early days for you where you were, you were just like really into it and yeah. you knew there's like something that you just loved about it. And for me, the whole reason that I'm even doing this right now, you know, like this isn't a monetized thing where I'm making a bunch of money out. You know, like I'm, this is my my extra time that which I have very little of. You know, but I love it so much. You know, it's it's such a cool industry, but it's so weird to have to balance that part of it with the fact that yeah it's, it's a business I mean, there's money involved here and there's livelihoods involved and there's people involved but it's a cool play you know it's a cool world so it's it's really hard to kind of toe that line so uh when i hear you say that a lot of the talk you know every third word is our guests part of me goes that's amazing from a consumer's standpoint and then part of me from like a you know, just the coolness of craft beer is like, fuck everybody else. Like, you do, you do know, the reason that you're cool is because you do the th- you know, you brew the thing that you want to brew and do the thing you want to do, you know, like and people should just accept that. But there's like this weird balance of that, you know, that, that you have to find to be, I don't know, I guess successful, uh, successful. Is that I a if good we word?
2: All, I mean, I think there's such a large group of people that are interested that, um, you know, you could... Start a specialized brewery that does just like one style and probably still be successful. But if we brewed only what we liked, well, only what I like, let's put it that way. You know, I'm not a sour fan. ESBs? Just ESBs. Oh my beer, God. We had, we had an Imperial <laughs> ESB listed on our opening list like back yeah. in 2012. And then we started doing some market tests. We're like, no one's going to buy this beer. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I that's, that. I think that's part of it. But a good ESB, oh man, I'm all about Funk that. Yeah. I'm not really into sours. And yet, People love them. Get out! i just out. personally not. Yeah, I. Um, we've got a lot of people who are, and we've got some really good friends who who make awesome sours, and it just like hurts my teeth almost. Some of them. Mm. Um, I, I like a you know a nice fruited beer. You know that's great, and I like big beers. That's fine. Uh, bigger, more. Give me the alcohol. I don't care. Just the sourness. It 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 can you know. So basically, what I'm saying is, we wouldn't make that if it was just about my personal style. So we're trying to make what people want without just being a trend chaser. If that makes any sense, I, it's not trying to be the uh, beer of the month idea. It's what are people going to like? Ultimately, what's going to bring them the most happiness?
0: It's so. like anything else too, though. I mean, you have your camps and your tribes and your politics, and you know, you the, it, it's anything that anything that you can think of in the world is separated into these groups. And beer's not beer's not. Uh, you know they're not a stranger to that same issue where it's like you're not you can't win for losing <clears throat> you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't you release a beer one way The other half of the world doesn't like the way you released it. If you release it this way, then the other part doesn't. Well, you're not taking me into consideration. Like, there's a very, like, we're starting to get a little bit of entitlement in the the beer industry. I know that's something you guys don't want to talk, you probably don't want to talk about with, you know, on the consumer side. But, you know, as a consumer, I see it. And it's kind of crazy, and it's hard to balance all that stuff. So, like, what kind of things do you guys have to put in place? I mean, it's, like you said, you're not brewing beer that's just because well, I know this is going to sell. But I really respect the fact that people have been very candid with me in this forum, you know, to be like, I brew a lot of these specific type of IPAs maybe so I can make my wilds, you know, so I can fund myself to do these other things that I'm passionate about. You know, it's kind of a weird place that some of the brewers and the owners find themselves in depending on their size and their scope and uh, their financial, you know, stability uh, and size and all that. So it's like, you know... IPAs I know are going to sell, barrel aged are not barrel aged, but just stouts in general right now currently are going to sell. You know, so I have to do this so I can do some of the other stuff that I want to do too. I,
2: yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's a real question. I don't know. I don't know if there there's is no a question. question just sort of I'm responding to the thought. Like, <laughs> I, I would say that generally we, d- yeah, we're not brewing. We don't brew a brand just because it sells. Um, we brew a Blondale that is a large part of our uh, production, but it's not. Uh, we'd probably make more money if we sold something else we we it's more interesting because it can get people into our brand and then they can understand what we're doing and why we're doing it's kind of a gateway but it's we're not brewing it really for the money it's
4: it also it's a yeast feeder it feeds yeast to our other our our product lines yeah. Huh, interesting.
2: Yeah. We, we call that uh, 714 because it was kind of a riff on, obviously, you know, the original Chicago uh, 312, right? And then turning into <laughs> 805. And so we did it as a joke originally because we'd been hearing that Budweiser was buying up all the area codes. And I was like, well, they didn't buy up ours yet. We're too small of a market. Let's <laughs> do it. And um, I actually had called Patrick Rue at the brewery who I've, I've watched his journey from a, a starting point. So my wife used to work for his father. So I saw him and we, we went to the same law school. So I've known Patrick from afar for a while, and when we were getting going, I was talking with him, and I noticed he'd made this beer, and I said, hey, can I use that name? I don't want to step on your feet. He goes, oh, we're never going to brew it again. We just did it so Budweiser wouldn't use it. Uh, if you sell the Budweiser, you know, you can't sell them that name. I said, okay, <laughs> sure thing, man. And um, so, we, you know, we sell a good volume of that, but it's... I wouldn't say we make it just because it pays the bills. I've heard that from other brewers, um, you know, for certain beers and stuff. But even our West Coast IPA, which is probably our other largely distributed beer, uh, we went through 10 or 12 different iterations of that. So the name of the beer is recursion. And a recursion is when something happens, like, upon itself. And so even the label is showing, like, a, a... I don't know what to call it, like a repeated image 10 times looking into itself. Right, right. And so we did a recursion 1 and a recursion 1.1 and a recursion 2 and a 2.1 and a 3 and a 3.1. And each one had a different set of malt and a different set of hops. And it was us experimenting. And we told people, hey, this is an experiment. Try it. you know. And we confused some accounts um, that they didn't understand like where we were going with that. Like, where's 3.2? And you're like, we didn't make a 3.2. We went straight to 4 because that, that area of experimentation was done. And so we sell a lot of our recursion West Coast IPA, but at least I don't feel, uh, maybe the brewers feel differently, but I don't feel like we're making it just to, to pay the bills. It was something that we, this was the pinnacle, we felt this was the best that we could make given that style of beer, that alcohol level, and uh, that, that amount of hops. And it, it took us a year and a half, I don't know, something like that.
3: Yeah, almost two years.
2: Almost two years. And we came to this thing and we said, yeah, we really like this. And I love that beer.
3: Yeah, yeah. Number number nine was the one that it, we well, it was recursion nine, but it was probably the actual like
2: fourteenth
3: or fifteenth yeah. iteration 12th, within the 14th, series.
2: 15th, something like that.
4: Um, 9.0. Yeah.
3: <laughs> no, I, I I think the the journey of that beer is is interesting, but I think what's you know something that every brewery learns at, at some point when when you grow because you know our We've grown both our outside sales um, as well as the the barrel age stuff. But you know, even though we self distribute, like that beer has made its way into some really important accounts for us. Where it's like, you know, we've got to keep that beer on because if if we lose that line at that account, like we don't know when we get it back. And and it's a it's an important account for us because they you know they buy a lot of the other beers and. It's it's just interesting how those things that you know like oh well that's for those are for big breweries that sign on with big distributors that get locked into those things it's like really, you know you have if you're successful and people like what you do it's going to happen to you at some point a little bit and but it's at least a beer you know both both the Blondale and the IPA like Steve said we we make them because we like them they're they're great beers um, but it, it is interesting to see how that that whole thing happens still
2: yeah we we, uh, even with the Blondale sometimes we're still allocated on it which is I'll be honest it's ridiculous Um, but we had a guy that thought we were just I don't know messing with him on the account side and it's like no I'm not messing with you I just don't have any to sell you I'm really sorry and you know, he's like, "It's a blonde ale. What do you mean? It's a, it's allocated. This is stupid. And uh, <laughs> I said, "I agree with you. I'm, it's crazy. I know, but I'm telling you, this is the truth." So you guys and go through a distributor, then you or
0: you self-distro.
2: We self-distro everything. And so why? Why? Wait. How
0: does the allocation come into
3: play? Well, it, it has. It has. Uh, we have bigger accounts where their volumes are pretty set, and so it's like we we've, we've got the. Set aside for particular accounts. So okay. Steve's probably talking about a new okay. account who tried to open a line on seven one four. Is like, yeah, sorry, we just can't sell it to you.
2: Yeah, and I said we could get you in about three months, and we'll take care of you after that. You know, get you in the pipeline. And uh, he's like, what do you mean it's a Blondale? You should be able to, you know, just have it. And I said, I- I'm sorry, you have to get in line for the Blondale. And I, I totally Beer, agree. Beer's biggest
0: myth is that you guys hold back things just to make it more, more. You oh, know, God, no. isn't that crazy? I I think it's but it's something that it's such a common thought for people it it happens I mean just specifically in this area with with three Floyd's I mean uh, for years people were like oh they just don't make enough zombie dust so they can sell more you know whatever it is it's like it's really hard and you know what Sean and April we sat down at one of these tables and did three hours talking like this and Sean touched on it Sean is not shy about kind of sharing his thoughts on like the consumer level and stuff and the education and the lack thereof on not not the consumer's fault but that <clears throat> the people aren't educating the consumer and letting them know like this is not what's happening it's, we're not making a specific amount just to piss you off and not you know make it more rare so it drives up demand it's it's not how it works the i mean look behind us this that stainless can only hold so much beer there are only so many you know, there's so many tap lines in this room they need to get it through people don't understand the margins on on you know selling the beer out of your own tap room versus getting it out into the public and into cans and how thin those margins can be you know you're selling them at your local liquor store or your bottle shop whatever it is um so i mean that's the people accuse you guys of that you ever hear that that kind of comment of like you know like yeah (laughs) Yeah. you're not making enough of it to make it
2: more rare we make with with the
3: with the barrel age stuff um specifically you know we we all at some point have to resign to the idea that like well we're just not going to make everyone happy (laughs) <laughs> and we try our damnedest to make everyone happy, but you know, it's like so we transition from uh, the standing in line to the online sales, and the so now people are pissed. It's like what the sale was over in like less than a minute. And right. It's like, well, what's better? Like that, a concert ticket. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, you sit down at your couch and you get your your computer ready, and so you find out you didn't get a bottle in in a three minute span yeah. versus. What's worse, standing in line for four hours and then not getting a bottle? You know, yeah. When we did our Chicago weather, oh, that'd (laughs) be
2: bad. Yeah, when we did our first fundamental um, observation sale, the beer was. We we kind of figured the beer would be popular. We we done a very small draft release. Well, not man. How are you? Should should we
0: let's get Mike in on a mic? You You want to talk for a minute? You want to say hi? No, you busy? Well, if if he wants to sit down on my mic, I actually bring uh, bring Sean in and.
3: Mike can say hi. Hi I I actually have to depart. I have to get in an Uber and go to the airport. Damn you! I know your
0: flights and your schedules. I know. Well, thank you, thank you, Dylan. I I appreciate getting your story and everything. We didn't even get through half of it, probably. Oh, it's all
3: good. I'll give you the the last couple bits. So worked at Stone, worked at Angel City for a minute, which is a little brewery in downtown LA. Um, and then, yeah, found Bottle Logic, and I've been there for three and a half years.
0: Yep, fueling mules for three and a half years. Yeah,
3: <laughs> no, it's been crazy. Um, it, you know, I hopped on right before FO one came out, and I, I don't think any of us knew what that beer was going to turn into, and it was a crazy response from people. But it's been, uh, it's been a, a journey. We just keep doing fun shit and people like it
0: (laughs) it really it's it's fucking good man i definitely i was in line here for their uh summer release and the guys behind me had a cooler full of just crazy shit from all over the country you know they're pulling in beer mail whatever and the guy one of the guys popped open a a, an ipa from you guys and i wasn't real familiar with your brand at the time in all honesty and uh and and the guy next to him goes i don't even know they made fucking ipas at bottle logic (laughs) <laughs> so that's the weird, like, Chicago consumership versus, like, your, your local people, obviously, probably your staples are the West Coast and the, your barrel-aged stuff, too, obviously, your stouts and that. But but for us out here, what people are mostly bringing out here are not the IPAs. You know, you get freshness to worry about, whatever it is, you know. Right. Uh, There's more, more sought-after beers that people effort to get out here from California. So mostly what I see is, the, like, Bar- what was it, Colony, uh, Barrel- Lost Lake. Colony. Lost Colony. Uh, is it Space? Space trace. Space trace. Space trace. I see that one every once in a while. Um, Fo obviously, um, but yeah, no, it's 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 uh, interesting to see like the different dynamics of how a place this far away from you guys perceives you know what you uh, do. Because right. I think if you ask most of the beer nerds in Chicago, they're like, oh, they just like you barely aged stouts, right? That's it, right? Yeah. You know. By well, the I way, your labels are beautiful. I love the labels. I hope one day we, can,
4: uh, <laughs> one day we can share uh, share our other uh, our other exploits with people too.
3: Yeah. Hell yeah.
0: Yeah. Are you going to start distributing out here? We'll take you. Somebody will take you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how the logistics work, but we'll take it. All right, Dylan, do we have to depart? You got to depart for the Uber? Yeah. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Good time. all right, we had a little we had a little interruption. This, this has been a loaded a loaded day with uh, local Chicago brewing celebrities coming through the doors of more brewing. I mean, you got Sean here. We got Bottle Logic in the house right now, rejoined by the crew from Bottle Logic minus Dylan because he had to catch a flight. Right? Am right about yep, that. Yeah, he's
4: on the airplane right now. He's on <laughs> he's on the
0: airplane. Uh, we had Justin from Hot Butcher in here, which you guys will be with them tomorrow, mm-hmm. uh, doing some some more of your whirlwind tour, and then uh, yeah, Mike from microphone, obviously. Um. So let's go back. Let's go back to the story. We kind of got your guys' individual backgrounds and kind of how how you all came to to meet. But uh, like Bottle Logic, f- five five years ago, approximately. About, like what yeah. what wh- what the hell was day one like? Uh, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Is that it? Like, just I mean, like
2: that's that's yeah. We showed up. Uh, we were gonna open at noon, and we showed up about nine a.m. Thinking, you know, cool. We're gonna open up the the place, get it all you know ready, and there was already about. 50 people in line at 9 a.m., which was terrifying and fun and just gratifying all at the same time. So we we did it. We got everything ready to go. And in fact, I I got a little story about the first guy in line. He had his lawn chair. He was just sitting there reading a magazine. He actually launched it. He's the head firework launcher for Disney. Whoa! And so he's still a good friend of ours, and he Did helps he us out. Did he make that up? I mean, no, he <laughs> like really does. Has <laughs> yeah. he, pr- he proven that? <laughs> and his, his uh, wife is actually one of the head costume designers for Disney, and so they're just local fans, good people. Um, we I saw them the Friday before we left to come out here, uh, just fun folks. And so I'll never forget that he was there, and he's like, "I just want to support you guys," you know. And I said, "Why would you wait four hours?" <laughs> and uh, he's just excited, you know. And uh, we opened with six beers. And uh, I think two of those six were variants of the other four. I think we had four core beers that were on, and um, just I mean, without the customers, we couldn't do it, you know. And and they came in, and uh, we had the mayor of Anaheim cut the ribbon,
1: and uh, he'd been helpful, you know, in getting us open. It was a little yeah. weird though, because we had to figure out where to put the ribbon. It's like, where do you put a ribbon? That <laughs> like, like yeah. you, you know, that so was, where'd you, where'd you little, go with? Well,
2: will we put right it right in front of the taps? Yeah, yeah. right over the taps. Yeah. He liked that. That was good. But just all the little things you don't think about. It's like, well, we're going to actually attach the ribbon. Do we tape it? How does it work? You know, like these things that, um, you know, you, you think you do your job. You're picking the furniture for the tasting room. You're, you're buying the taps. You know, the system's all hooked up. The kegs are all there. And then there's like hundreds of little small things you've never thought of. You know, oh, the soap fell. Oh, well, I, I don't know. How do we attach it? <laughs> things that have nothing to do with brewing but are really important to the guest experience. So... Each of you guys are
0: coming at day one from a different role, technically, right? I mean, so, like, what was each of your kind of roles? I mean, like, who's who's making sure the beer has been brewed and is ready Wes. and is on the line? That was, so Wes. was me. I was <laughs> That's all Wes. <laughs> at this point, brain Dylan's brain not in the story. I mean, Dylan, no. you know, like I said, um, he's left. He had to get on a flight, but, yeah, he's not in the story. So, Wes, you're you're <laughs> the brewmaster. You're, yep. yeah. Yeah. You're dealing with that. And and Steve, you're president here at El Presidente at this point? Yeah. And
2: <laughs> you're looking at what? Big picture? like Big picture, making sure everybody's with in, the their, in their spots. <laughs> We'd done interviews a couple weeks before, uh, bring some people on. And about 12.03, 12.05, as soon as the mayor literally physically cut the ribbon, I was on the phone like, okay, hey, you interviewed with us two weeks ago. Do you want to come in for a job? And we hired the people that we really thought were going to do a great job. But then we're like, we need like 10 more people. <laughs> so, you, we, re- uh,
0: you realize that in three minutes, that's all it took. <laughs> three minutes from the, the minute you opened,
2: you're like, all right, we're going to need more people. <laughs> that's pretty much accurate. Yeah. And um, so we, we went from, I don't know, five employees to eight employees in about an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so an hour and a half. it was busy and we knew right away. Um, so shout out to our sales manager who um, had, had current sales manager who that day had said hey i really want to work here and i said yeah that's great you know but i'm i'm full up and he's like i just want to let you know i quit my job i really believe in your company and i really want to be here and i was like uh that's a big responsibility (laughs) want to start right now (laughs) yeah (laughs) well we weren't ready yet Mm -hmm. and um it, it took about a week or two and i i figured it out and he's just been a huge asset to our company he's just a hard worker and and really cares about our brand What's and his really name? cares. He like Steven. He's actually coming out for the Bears game. Shout so. out, Steven. Steven Langton. Um, he's he's seriously just just if there's never been a time when he's not working so hard that I have to like send him home. He's he's like the only guy I think I've ever managed as an employer where I'm like, go home. Bro, <laughs> leave. <laughs> he's
0: well, great it's funny you just mentioned the bears game that we all just kind of came to the conclusion was time was completely changed. Yeah. yeah what, what so, happened to that? Well,
2: we've got, uh, three tasting room employees who've been with us, uh, each over about three years. And we thought, what a better time to say, thank you and show them a good time. than come out to Chicago, have a fun, uh, you know, a few days, go to FOBAB. We've got some reservations at some killer bars. Um, and then go to the bears game On on Sunday And we we have a fantasy football league Within the the brewery And they're all These three are all part of it They're all Some of the more senior people On the tasting room side And just come out and have fun So yeah We just found out the game got moved From uh, what 12 to 7 So our flight was supposed to leave at 7 Yeah Noon kickoff
0: Quickly turned into a 7.30 kickoff When they
2: NFL realized The Bears are pretty good Yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I don't know We're going to go adjust Some hotel rooms and flights Oh boy That sounds like
0: chaos (laughs)
2: So, uh, Brandon, what was your what was your
0: approach for day one? What, what was you you I mean you you introduced yourself as like the marketing, I guess, and the brand management?
4: More more of the brand stuff. I one, my responsibilities were making sure we had the the look on the glassware and <clears throat> the beginning of our merch sales for day one, stuff like that. Um, packaging we hadn't started packaging any bottles yet, but we were working on our our first round of labels for our first 22s and
0: stuff like that. So, uh, you know, as, as a whole, how do you guys come together on that day? I mean, how does that, how does that translate? I mean, as you, as you guys kind of, like, come together for day one, like, where, where's everybody at? Like, who's, who's doing what? You know, it's kind of all hands on deck. Like, you're pouring beer. Anybody that you can get pouring beers or... It was
2: chaos. Yeah, it was. That's the only way to describe it. It was chaos. So I was kind of dealing with... Um, we we had some investors. Uh, I was dealing with them, dealing with the mayor, uh, dealing with uh, people we've known. We had some friends and family that were there, kind of walking around. Everything was set up on the pouring side. Uh, Wes was making sure that the beer was you know coming out not foamy or you know not under or over carbonated or anything. Uh, Brandon was kind of walking around, making sure everybody had you know a, a clean glass and you know a, a fun experience basically. And uh, we had. Oh, about uh, fifty more people than we expected at really? opening. Well, because fifty people were in line, so we thought oh, you know throughout the, day, throughout the day, throughout the day, if we you served know, fifty, pe- no, we had no idea. If we we thought maybe fifty people throughout the day, we had fifty at open, and it was like, ah, uh, okay. And we ran out of beer. Ran out of one of the beers right away. Um, and and you remember which beer? No, I actually don't. No, I don't remember. Either. Stout <laughs> IPA,
0: Blondale. Like probably that. one of the probably the probably double IPA. P- It'd been, it been the double IPA. I- 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 mean it was double actually. Yeah,
2: yeah. And we had more on on deck, but um, we'd only packaged off like I don't know, three or four kegs, and it just flew. And we weren't open very long. And I remember thinking as we were like closing up that night because we weren't open. I think we we're open eight hours or something. So we closed up. I locked up, and uh, I remember thinking, "Huh, I'm gonna have to do this for a long time." And it's been. Five years and every night, you know, the last thing I do before I go to bed is like check our, uh, we have an end of day report that comes out and it kind of tells us what happened. Sure. Sales were good. Sales were bad. But more importantly, did anything happen that we need to, you know, work out? Was there a maintenance problem? Was there, you know, did something break? You know, all that. And I didn't, I didn't know that day that I was gonna be checking that report for the next, I don't know how long. Foreseeable period. future. Yeah, five, yeah. Almost five years at this point. Um, I, I love it at this point. I get that email. I'm like, okay, cool, another day in the books, you know. And it's not, it's not the dollars. It's the fact that we've had this group of people that are really talented sort of come together and put on a, a almost a wonderful experience for the people coming in.
0: So we tie that into our, our current situation after our little break and conversation. I mean, like I said, we had a bunch of people that you guys wanted to talk to. We we had a little break. I mean we got cheese curds in the middle of the table please help yourself oh. more cheese curds are awesome don't mind if i do yeah uh, please get in there and uh no we we, cr- we got to crack some beer open and right before we right before we kind of stopped um i think brandon was talking about a couple of different beers and we opened one of them one of those beers was it dark uh dark star november dark, dark star november so <clears throat> talk about that rye barrel aged stout. uh
3: uh,
4: uh, uh we, we aged them in Buffalo Trace barrels, but it has rye and molasses in the grain. Okay.
1: okay. This is actually one of our um, earlier homebrews that we we'd, um, aged in these little Balcone one-gallon barrels. Was it five-gallon barrels? I'm not, I'm not Those really sure. Those are five-gallon They're barrels. They're five-gallon barrels, yeah. The, the Balcone five-gallon little whiskey barrels. And that was kind of like the first exploration we did into barrel-aged stouts. Man. That first one was not exceptional. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: the second one was pretty good, yeah, though. Good. It got better <laughs> rapidly, yes. I still have one of the barrels in our uh, at yeah, the house.
2: So there's this idea that there's this project called Project Aurora, and it's a super fast airplane. And they've got this, this, they don't know what it is for sure, but it's this airplane on radar, and it's crossing the U.S. in like 45 minutes. On radar, it's been tracked. And the only thing that they've been able to find out about this is they said uh dark star november do you copy and then dark star mike do you copy so it was actually two objects and we just thought that was the coolest thing the idea that there's this plane that's like going Mach six across the u.s and it was 20 some years ago and so we thought well that mystery that kind of you know fun i don't know unexplored idea uh, that just kind of spoke to us and so that we named this beer that uh in honor of of that radio transmission it's a one-time radio transmission back in the 90s on radar you've got this object moving and it responded and i don't know you know so it's, it's clearly some military craft and um we thought that was really fun and so that's what the beer is named after and it was we, we were trying to come up with something that would have a lot of flavor but still be really drinkable um and we were shooting for originally what 12 13 and we kind of hit that yeah we did yeah. yeah, and this year, I, so I actually um, hadn't tasted it in large quantities until just today, frankly. We bottled it late last week, mm-hmm. and um, I was surprised the amount of rye,
1: because we had some rye barrels in the mix yeah. this year. we actually had a good amount of rye barrels in the mix. Uh, normally, we use a Buffalo Trace blend with uh, uh, Dark Star, but uh, this last, uh, essentially, barreling, we, we mix it in with a lot of uh, uh, high rye barrels. Uh, and that actually brought a really cool character to the beer this year.
0: Now, is that what you're drinking right now? Yes, that's what you're tasting mm-hmm. right now. Okay, so yeah, to me, you know, I, I had my little taster of it, and I was just there's so much barrel character mm-hmm. on it. It's it's so good. I mean, is there. I think were you talking about off off mic talking about like the reaction to almost like needing more barrel based on like some notes?
4: Oh, I was just talking about like when we we send it off the competition. We're very we pay a lot of attention to what the judges say and. Um, you know, in the past, we've had notes about more barrel character, so that's something we really try to focus but on.
2: But if you have too much barrel character, then people yeah. say it's too hot. Yeah, right. Oh, there's there's no hot. easy answer. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, what it's it, fun. It it's fun <laughs> being
4: judgmental and untapped
0: all, and all that.
4: It all boils down to like uh, you said, like having a good amount of flavor, and um, you know, there's not a lot of ingredients in this in this um, beer, but it has a great. It's I think it's very complex.
0: Yeah, it's. So well done I mean It's like That middle ground I feel like would, would you I don't know Maybe you guys Are more of the experts But like if you, you For me as a consumer When I have a, a beer Like that I say That body on that Would be Fall like Towards the light, light to medium Versus like That kind of New thing Where everybody you're Chewing them You know
1: Yeah they, 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 Essentially The, the syrup or beers That are So thick When you pour it Off a tap It's like This little stream it's like pouring maple syrup, um, that, that style. A, a lot of times
2: you're going to get that uh, thick body with a sweeter stout. And I don't know. I guess we could add sweetness to this, but we kind of like where it's at. So we do make sweeter stouts. They're good. But this one is what it is. And uh, I like where it's at. Yeah, we're kind of happy Just with where it's at. Just take both the cheese curds.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you take that as a gift from the cheese curds gods, all right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> You know, we, we want to make both. Like, we don't want to be pigeonholed in one single style or one single type. So we're happy with this one. We're happy where it's at. We're going to make a thicker, sweeter stout and we have already. But I wouldn't necessarily want to change this one to that style either. They're, they're good for different types and uh, different types of pairings and foods and all that.
0: Yeah, because your, your array, you know, you have... You don't make just one body style on one, you know. Like you, you guys dance around. Like I've had porters, you know, barrel aged porters from you guys that feel like a, you know the mouthfeel of a stout. You know, is that something that you ever shoot for? Or like, sure,
1: it just depends on <laughs> what you're trying to do. You we, know, like. we do. We're always changing. We're always kind of bouncing around different ideas, on different recipes. Um,
2: I was just going to ask. I was just going to mention that one of the questions we get asked a lot is. Our, probably our two most popular stouts by, by sales volume would be Dark Star November, the one we were just discussing, and then our Fundamental Observation. And people always say like, oh, it's just the same beer that you add vanilla into. And while Fundamental does have a lot of vanilla, it's actually a very different uh, mm-hmm. stout base. So almost all of our stouts that people, I don't know, know us for have a different recipe. And, you know, there's, there's a somewhat limited amount of ways to make a, a tasty stout. You know, there's things that you need to put in there but within that i don't know that uh uh, general boundary there's a lot of changes that can happen and so almost uh, with very few exceptions we're using a different recipe for almost everything everything's different part of it's a a, a experimentation because we think that's fun and part of it's just a desire to say hey well if we do this is it that much better and Sometimes the actual grain bill will just work better with the ingredients that we're putting in. You know, if you're going to add coffee in after the fact, you may not want to add in a certain amount of, you know, roast malt or whatever. Mm-hmm. But
1: well, sometimes um, we're we're going for a particular direction on the malt bills. Let's say we're going for like a really big, you know, cake or you know, crust kind of character in, in the beer. So we'll we'll design that from the ground up. Uh, but a lot of times we're just going for a stout direction, and we're just like, okay, let's try it this direction. Let's try it that direction. Let's. Let's see what happens when we use a lot of, you know, a lot of um, little roast, more roast. You know, let's let's add a little rye in here. Let's um, let's add a little debittered black malt. give you it know, a really, really nice, smooth flavor to it. And we just keep changing it every single time we do it. It,
2: it would be a lot more efficient, probably, if we had like a single stop <laughs> recipe that we just threw random ingredients into. But it's not that simple. And, and I think we would lose something if we did that. It'd be great from an efficiency standpoint, but it's just not the case. Like we could just keep brewing the same thing yeah. and, <laughs> and
0: tweaking, you yeah. uh, know?
2: It, it, it's really fair to say, I think the more that you brew something, the more that you learn how to brew something. And, you know, I think Darkstar, if I had to give it like a most improved award... You know, our, our 2014 brew of that, I think I alluded to this earlier, but, like, tasting it now is like, oh, wow, you know, we're, it's missing this, this, and this. But at the time, I mean, it was the best we could do. Mm-hmm. And so we've just learned a lot along the way, and I, I really look forward to that for some of these other brands that we've brewed one, once or twice to, to maybe continue to improve them and, you know, make them what we think is better.
0: So what's uh, what's the kind of path? I mean, we t- I think you mentioned something early on about something being fitting based on saying experimental or something. So you guys constantly are just trying to just play like the, the <laughs> research and development and the you know, trying and uh, test patches can and I, can pilots. I tell them? Yes, yeah, you could tell. Is it okay? Yeah.
2: Oh. So no, we haven't oh. we haven't really talked about this yet. I don't know if it's a super secret, but we have definitely not talked about it publicly. Uh, we're just putting in a seven barrel pilot system. And that's a pretty good sized pilot system, but we did the math on it and you know, my concern was if we go with a really small pilot system, there's not enough to um, split up and try different treatments on. So with a slightly larger pilot system, knowing that we may end up dumping some of those batches if they don't come out the way that we want. But we, we want to make sure that we have the ability to try different things. Um, between the three of us, we have a sheet with about 110 like random experimental beers. And some of them are crazy, like absolutely crazy, like some sort of absinthe beer that (laughs) I have no idea how it's going to taste. Frankly, it may be gross and we dump it. It might be amazing Um, to to more, we'll call them safe things that we just haven't brewed. You know, uh, um, the ESB is on there, the one that we were going to open with. Again, I don't know if anyone's going to buy it. They probably won't, frankly, but I like it. No, we'll still drink it. Yeah, I'll drink it. Um, I couldn't make 30 barrels of it or 60 barrels of it, but we could do a smaller batch. And um, that's going to really help, I think, push us forward to sort of hit the bounds of what is possible and still have a balanced beer. So we don't want to just randomly throw things in and hope it's good. We want to come up with a flavor profile and try to meet that.
0: How do you guys perceive your own brand at this point? You know, if you walked out of your own shoes and and looked from the outside, I mean, how do you guys see yourselves? I mean, locally, you know, you, you have these neighborhood customers and you have these people that experience you through distro and these people that experience you like further out when you zoom out, like in Chicago or, you know, the beers that you have set up on the ledge there and more might be the ones that we see, you know?
4: Well, I I definitely think, I think people see us as a very inviting brand um, in terms of, you know, everyone's welcome and every idea is a good idea and we want, we want to be there to listen to those ideas um, I think when I've been out and about and see our branding or logo on a tap handle or a sign at a bar and stuff like that, it just, it, it, you know, definitely pops and.
0: Or at Disneyland.
4: Or at Disneyland. Yeah.
0: That seems like the most surreal one,
1: right? That's gotta be. It's crazy. I never yeah. thought our beer would be at Disneyland. That's, oh, a, that's really cool.
4: Yeah. We, um, uh, I have to give, you know mad credit for Stephen LinkedIn for sure for for that but um, it is it's it's a surreal for sure but I was I was there a couple of weeks ago and just popped into a random uh, bar at one of the hotels and I'm like oh there's seven one four Jesus I mean yeah. that, I, I would imagine that's got to be kind of crazy just to, to think
0: that place <laughs> the happiest place on earth has's got a bottle logic beer available to anybody who walks through the doors the millions of people
2: it it is. So we were at um, California Adventure as a group of us two years ago for the Christmas, our Christmas party. We shut down our tasting room twice a year, take all the employees out to, to go have fun. And uh, two years ago, it was at California Adventure, which is the other Disney park. I think we gave back, because all the employees were buying our beer from the stands. <laughs> I think we gave back all the sales that we had made throughout the year. But uh, it was worth it. It was fun. And um, you're asking about the, you know, the perception we were at dinner last night, and uh, Dylan, his brother-in-law, was there. who lives He lives in Madison, Wisconsin. And uh, he was telling me that uh, he was wearing a sweatshirt, uh, a Bottle Logic sweatshirt. You know, what is that, 2,500 miles from home? And he was just out and about doing something, and someone said, Hey, where'd you get that? And he's like, Oh, at the brewery, you know, because he'd come out there, and uh, he'd seen his sister, which is Dylan's wife. And uh, you know, bought one of our, our sweatshirts, and this guy was offering him like fifty dollars, a hundred dollars to sell him the sweatshirt. He's like, "No, it's cold. I need to wear a sweatshirt." And you know, that's just—I I mean, humbling. I think yep. is the, is the right word for it. Like, we think people like our brand locally, and that's kind of what we focus on for sure. But to go to Chicago, or we've got this guy who flies in from Milwaukee for almost every big beer release. Like, he literally gets on an airplane and flies for three hours, and then flies back for three hours with our beer. Like. It's
0: incredible. Uh, it, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's just, I don't even know what to say about that. Like, I'm so glad he does it, but, oh, man, it's its really fun and, and yeah, humbling is probably the only word I would use. Just hoping for some sort
0: of a future mailing system for that guy where, he
2: <laughs> where so you can order it online. So, so alcohol know. laws are not the most progressive on that. Um, I, I think there's a pending Supreme Court case about certain things. I'd love to be able to do that. It, it direct a customer you know we, we self distribute all of our beer to accounts we don't work with a distributor we've had a lot of options and offers to do so but we like controlling that and i like knowing that you know we, we had a very i won't say who it is but we had a really large account last year that decided they i don't know wanted to yell at our people and it just it's not worth it and we don't work with jerks and we fired them and we would not have that as an option if we worked with a large distributor And um, that's not normal for us. We don't normally do that. We don't like to do that. But, you know, if if there's just not a reasonable way otherwise to to have it work out, um, we we like that control. We like being able to know how long that beer has been at that particular location. We've got about 600 accounts at this point. And, yeah, maintaining them and making sure they pay us on time because that is a business, right? Um, it, It can be difficult, but it's not something I would trade. So it's totally by choice. I see us probably expanding in the state of California with our own distribution much more than signing with any other distributor. And and a lot of that's being able to increase access to our beer and having it be, you know, fair and uh, uh, get people what they want.
0: They want Bottle Logic stuff, just so you know, in case you're wondering.
2: Working on it. They want Bottle Logic
0: <laughs> stuff apparently yeah i would i would run that experiment tomorrow uh, when you go to the bears g- or the next <laughs> when you go to the bears <laughs> game wear something visible from bottle logic and i guarantee you somebody's going to say something to you uh, especially in the chicago area i know my brother in law he travels to baseball games a lot so him and his dad will go hit stadiums you know all over the country and he wears like his three floyds hat and he always has somebody you know, matter where he's at say oh Do you get that beer? Like, where's, you know, if they don't distribute out that way. That
2: makes sense to me. Three Floyds is huge. Uh, No, I get it. Yeah, I I
0: get it. I get it. Yes, you guys are much smaller, but, you know, same kind of thought process. It's fun when it happens, though, for Uh sure.
4: I'm sure uh, some of the staff will bring their. We got last year for Christmas. We got uh, custom Bottle Logic jerseys made (laughs) uh, hockey jerseys. So I'm sure. Sweaters.
0: Yeah. Sweaters. I like it.
4: Yeah. So we'll see. Sweaters, yeah, not jerseys. <laughs> no, no, they're jerseys. they're
2: jerseys. I was just going to yeah. say, so I'm, I'm a, I collect old pinball machines as a hobby. And, nerd. Uh, yeah. Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> no, we totally are. We're so nerdy. But um, yeah, we got 14 at Bottle Logic. So, Whoa. And they're not available to the public Unfortunately, to play. They're not,
1: yeah, they're not in the taster. It's considered our, gambling. Yeah, the city won't oh, let wow. us do it. But That's
2: they're in our crazy. office, and so sometimes we settle disputes based on that. Like, all right, let's go play a game. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we, we gave out the uh, sweater, or the sweaters, the jerseys, and it was during the day. Hockey
0: people call them sweaters. They call jerseys sweaters. Yeah. I don't care what they call yeah. them. They're, they're
2: jerseys, whatever. <laughs> anyway, so we gave them out, and we went to this uh, vintage arcade bar. So they got killer cocktails, they got old arcade games, and they have old pinball games. So we gave them out that day, and I swear to God, I think we made easily the cost of giving the sweater jerseys out. That arcade bar did so much business <laughs> that day. They have been one of our best customers in the last year. and Paid for itself. It did. And that's that. to me, that's the win-win. They're happy because people are buying the beer. They're coming in asking for our beer at this arcade bar. We get to go have fun at the arcade bar whenever we want. Yeah. And and our people get awesome jerseys and, you know, people are buying our brand. And that, that's fun. That's To me, that's a win-win. We're not pushing our, our beer on anyone. You know, they're asking for it. and That's a really fun spot to be in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But it's it's cool too because, you know, it's a your business and you've been around for 5 years and you're growing, I'm guessing all the time. So you're probably experiencing, you know, HR programs and you know like the business side of things. You have to you have to address all these things. You have to keep employee engagement high and I mean these things all play along. and you guys seem to, you know, from what you're telling me, have have that in mind wholeheartedly, of, you know making sure it's a quality place to work, to be at, I mean, to drink beer, to make beer, to, you know, anything to be, uh, you, you guys have food and stuff in the
2: tap room too, or you guys, no, not currently. We, we have food trucks coming in. Uh, we are planning to put in a kitchen. Uh, it's funny you mentioned the HR stuff. So my job before I came to and, and open bottle logic was actually as an HR manager for a manufacturing firm, so a box
1: company. It was um, very exciting. It was corrugated? Uh, <laughs> yeah. hey, no, no, no.
2: It was it was printed. <laughs> corrugated is a step below. <laughs> but um, yeah, so uh, like this year we ju- just were able to put in uh, 401ks with company matching, and oh shit, like that was a get higher and I'm moving to
0: California.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, we uh, you want to be a brewer? We uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, we just I have. I figured we out. have a brewer yeah. application out, and you know it's the funny stuff that people don't see on the back end is like we had. I don't know, well over a hundred applications and I'm like, I don't even know how to deal with this many, you know? Like I I wanna tell everybody Hey, thank you so much for applying. You know, maybe they're not the person, and just let them know. But just it's a large volume to deal with, and I'm I'm trying to figure out how to allocate that the best way. So oh. there's definitely
0: a lot of challenges as we grow. You make them send a picture, right? And you're like, well, Dylan doesn't have a beard right now, so we're gonna need the bearded guy to offset the unbearded <laughs> I guy. I
2: think we have the fewest amount of beards and tattoos as a group. Uh, <laughs> Good for you in guys. Southern That's California. Right. I'm not opposed. I have a beard, so break the break the cycles. I'm not opposed to it, but it just seems to be the way it's working. Um, yeah. I, We hit 25 people last year and when we hit 25, I don't know, it's like a switch was flipped and I was like, oh my God, I'm responsible for 25 individual people. Like that's, I don't know, we're at 35 now, so it's even higher, but 25, like, I don't know, some threshold was hit and it was like, I'm really, I need to make sure that they're doing, you know, that they're well and they're taken care of. So we put in health insurance last year, the 401k this year, and I kind of wish I'd done it, been able to do it sooner, but it's just, we did what we could.
0: You guys are so young though relatively speaking to in in business sense but so old in brewery terms you know that's but, true <laughs> so i mean especially around here you know so much happened in the last three years you know you can zoom in and out however which way you want you know i i talked to these guys and you know somebody says we've been open for six years i go jesus you've been open forever you know but then you <laughs> step back and say six years that's nothing man That's nothing I mean, you guys experienced the same thing out in California with the, the boom. I mean, I know you guys already had some well-established things like Firestone, and the, which for us, we have Goose and we've had, you know, Revolution established for a while now. But it's always shocking to kind of see, like, the growth and the quickness of it. And it feels like forever, but five years. I mean, mm-hmm. relative to life, it's like...
2: It's a blip. Yeah, it feels pretty quick on this end. Honestly, it's like... Oh, yeah, and I'll I'll find myself saying, oh, yeah, last month or a few months ago, and they're like, "Uh, that was in 2016. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay, you're right.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, I'm glad that you guys said yes to do this. I mean, it's a brand that uh, we do see a lot out here, and it's sought after, you know, in terms of, like, your average, you know, beer geek. You know, maybe not everybody knows you guys yet. You know, people that are just casual beer fans that are coming to buy their IPAs and their, you know, kind of base stuff. But I mean, I know a lot of the guys that are bothering to listen to a beer podcast love you guys' product. So I kind of awesome. thought this would be a great opportunity for you guys to kind of introduce yourselves to some of those people in a little more personal level. Um, and like, what, what can you expect? You know, let's say somebody's out, out that way and they want to stop. I mean, my buddy Mike just did couple months ago he was in your guys's place he ate like monkish and you guys uh uh, what can somebody expect like ambiance wise and like what you know like you go to jay wakefield in miami you're gonna get you star wars you know it's star wars theme. like what kind of feel do you guys have to your your setup
2: Okay, I'll answer. <laughs>
0: uh, they like when he talks about it. I can see
2: that. <laughs> you guys are too busy eating cheese curds. Huh? Nah, yeah, we, we, really we killed
0: those a long time ago.
2: Um, yeah. I, I guess the easiest way to say it would be like retro science fiction. So um, we've, we've got, I don't know, sort of a time period in mind from like the late 30s to like maybe the late mid 60s, something like that. And and it's science, it's space, it's it's fun, it can be goofy and campy at the same time. And kind of anything in that area is fair game. Um, the, the pulp science fiction, though, is probably the closest to what we do. And uh, so we've got a pretty good-sized expansion in the works as soon as our parking issue can get worked Jeez, out, which we mentioned so before. Just the parking, issue. right? Like, we want you guys in there. We, if you've heard of us, we, we'd love that you've done that. We hope to, you know, uh, uh, see you in our tasting room. Um, a lot of fun stuff in there. We're trying to have more and more barrel-aged stuff, um, barrel-aged beers on uh, on tap, and it can be hard. It can be stressful um, for our staff. Uh, just think of you know you got twelve or thirteen percent stout, and people. I think recently we had five of them on. Someone comes in and wants to
1: order several tasters. Yeah, you know that's
2: yeah. a lot of alcohol, and so we've got to manage that. But really, we want you to try them. That's why they're on. That was a big thing
1: for us that we wanted to um, increase the amount of barrel beer we have on tap. Uh, we 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 when we did a release, it just sell out pretty quickly, and then. We wouldn't allocate enough beer to like put it on tap and actually have it on tap for a couple of months. That was my big thing. I wanted people to come by Bottle Logic and be able to taste a couple of the brands we had released yeah. and keep it on for a couple of months. We'd almost we'd, we'd ration it in a way. We'd we'd pull it off tap if it's going too fast, and we'd put it back on, on the weekend just to keep it going.
2: And it, that's probably not what people want to hear, but <laughs> but ultimately, it's, dirty secret. It's about getting people to, to try something that they haven't been able to try. And um, we've gotten a lot of positive feedback uh, in the last I don't know, six months of, of how we've been able to do that. So, yeah, when you come in, there's a food truck currently. We're hoping to build out our own kitchen so we can pair our own uh, food and beer. really looking forward to that. We do a dinner, I don't know, two, three times a year. Um, that is, it's fun and it's great. It's unfortunately not open to everyone yet, but it's, it's us kind of experimenting and, and figuring out what really pairs best with what. We did uh, in, over the summer with fundamental observation. We had a uh, Chinese five spice ribs, which was probably the standout hit of that dinner, and it paired awesome with the beer, which is not—I I just could not have predicted that. Um, but you have to try it. You have to try it, and it was awesome. So yeah, basically come out and and uh, you know try some good stuff on tap, and uh, you know have some good times in the tasting room. We've got—I will say our kind of our signature piece in the tasting room are these three old electrical panels from the '60s, and they kind of look like. You ever seen like the Frankenstein's power panels with the big switches on them? Yeah. So our graphic artist who does he's done all of our stuff since we opened, his dad actually in the 60s started working on those panels in Indianapolis as a young, you know, just out of college power engineer, got stuck on those panels. They were old then. And he was about to retire, and he said, Do you guys want these panels? And we're (laughs) like, Of course we do. So they shipped them out, he shipped them upright in this giant crate, and we're about three weeks from opening. And we were going to put some couches in this corner of the tasting room. And I don't know. One of us was like, uh, we may have more people than that. I don't know if that's going to fit. And we didn't know what to do. We were talking about selling these panels on Craigslist, of all things. <laughs> and uh, we'd gotten them for free plus shipping. You know, shipping wasn't free. but it, And they're pretty heavy. But still, we were going to sell them like on Craigslist. 500 pounds apiece. They were like Whoa. cast yeah, iron like, panels. about two feet deep of solid oh. iron. Yeah. And so we didn't know what to do with them, and one of our contractors had this brilliant idea of, well, why don't we place them on the wall and put a bookcase around them? And I did go on Craigslist, but not to sell them. I bought, like, I don't know, 500 science fiction books. And, um... Just vintage science fiction books because, frankly, I'd read most of them. <laughs> I just, oh, they weren't mine, though. <laughs> and we put them up in these bookcases, and it's kind of a showpiece that that's probably where people gravitate towards first. They take a photo there. The only complaint we get is that you can't plug your phone into the power panels, and that pisses people off. <laughs> like, it's a power panel. I should be able to charge my device on it. So we're going to try and work on that.
0: <laughs> so with that, uh, one, one little thing. Where, where Where's the logo come from? where's the where's the logo does it have great significance
2: yeah i mean uh, light bulb idea of invention the day idea of of uh you know lighting up new ways of doing things we're big fans of nikola tesla everyone thinks of edison with the light bulb but he didn't really invent the light bulb there was a lot of people you know working on it otherwise we had worked with our that same graphic artist and he would put up i don't know six or eight different logo choices and we've actually used some of the logos since then, but at the time we thought this was the best way to represent sort of our idea of invention, our idea of our, our spirit of uh, exploration, even if we didn't know where the journey was going to take us. It was about enjoying the, the journey itself.
0: How about the bottles that your your barely I mean, all the bottles up there—they have this unique kind of their own thing. It's uh, they're all very similar but different. You know, so why why that style? Do you mean the label or the actual? The label itself. The label itself.
2: Oh. So that's a really easy one. So again, super nerd, right? Super geek. So our we were trying to figure out, okay, how can we make a label that's not a complete fresh start uh every single time? Because it takes a lot of time, number one, it can be very expensive. And most importantly, it can be confusing for the customer. Like if it's we we do a lot of character art and that's great, but if you don't have sort of a template, it, it can be confusing to figure out what your you know, drinking or looking at. So I told him, I said, make a label that looks like I'm looking at the Apollo eleven command module computer And he's like, That's gonna be super busy and complicated I said, I love it. Just <sighs> just make it look Kind of cool, you know, and I, I think he absolutely delivered. If you look at that and kind of p- picture yourself at like a mid-60s command module, it kind of has that feel. There's some buttons, there's some, you know, text and it's font. Killer bo- it's a killer label. I And, mean. and so that's kind of where the idea came from. And of course, he's able to write it down and describe it so much better than I could but I knew what I kind of wanted to look at and it has this black background as a template, we've done some foil, we've done some different uh, smaller icons it's got a good amount of description so we can talk about the beer if you're not sure what it is we've got some food pairings on there but I kind of wanted it to look busy Um, we do some other ones that are clean and smooth but this one, it's a big beer right, like it's, it's a 12 Percent minimum generally for our for yep. our barrel age series. This is something you're gonna sit. This is you're gonna sip. You're gonna savor. You're gonna ponder over. You're gonna have time to digest this label. Uh, it's not something that you're gonna you know be drinking at a football game and the can's gone. You know this is a lot of people do keep the bottles as well. Yeah, and I've so noticed. Well, even wrong.
0: while we were standing over there and Justin from Hop Butcher, Justin Miller is standing there. He, I, he looked at me. And he's like, "Love these fucking bottles. <laughs> you know, love these labels." Uh,
2: we we spend a lot of time working on the labels and we're proud of them.
0: Well, guys, I mean, that's it. We've been, we've been like, marathoning this thing today. <laughs> I've, I've kept you guys plenty plenty of time. Is there anything else you want to kind of leave people with the Biologic? I mean,
2: FOBAB, good
0: luck at Fobab And
2: Well, thank you. Yeah, thank we're happy to be out here, this. and uh, we, we're we just, I don't know, so happy that, that people like what we make. You know, you're never sure what happens on a manufacturing side. You know, you make something, you hope people like it, and... Um, Glad to see that people in Chicago like it, and we look, look to be out here in the future. Oh, they do. They love it.
4: Yeah, and this will probably air after the fact, but who, for whoever I meet at FOBAB this year, it was a pleasure meeting you. <laughs> Agreed.
0: Future, Brandon says. <laughs> <Yeah>. Nice meeting you. <laughs> Hello, future, everyone. <laughs> so are you guys all going to be there for, what, Friday, Saturday? Which days will you guys be, like, actually running around where people can, might, both, be, might both, bump into you? Okay. Yeah. So, so we're gonna be running, saying uh, I can come talk to you. All right. Yeah. We'll
4: yeah. be running seven strong. <laughs> nice.
0: <laughs> All right, guys. I'll let you get back to the whirlwind that is your lives right now in the Chicagoland area. Um, cheers and thank cheers. you for cheers. Cheers. Thank you for being Bottle Logic. Thank you. All right. Thank see you, you guys.